Uh, welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that is well chill. Now, Chelsea got their act together on Saturday after last week's disappointing draws to West Brom and Spurs. Crystal Palace replete with their escape to victory kit with the sacrificial lambs as Chelsea walloped them 4-0. Although, in truth, the 4-0 flattered us, I think, uh, as Palace are a well-organised team, hard to break down and dangerous on the break. Lots of pleasing things about the win, not least the clean sheet, with Silver bringing an air of calm authority, Mendy imposing an able between the sticks, and Aspie adding his leadership qualities and consistent defending, and Zuma looking like the central defender we know he can be. But, best of all, it was Ben Chilwell who capped his Chelsea Premier League debut with a man-of-the-match performance, he brings much-needed balance to the side, stops the counters and the attacking threat down the lift left, and provides assists with good delivery. And to cap it all, he scored an Alonso-esque goal, which opened the door for Chelsea. Now, Chelsea are still very much a work in progress, and we're not where we want to be yet. But Saturday showed signs that, like all good plans, it's beginning to come together. Chilled well. Chelsea fancast number 528 and uh, as ever we have me Stanford Chidge and of course Mr Jonathan Kidd. Lovely to be here Chidge. Hope everybody in Mixler is well and everybody listening to this fancast is well as well as well as well. Well we're all well 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 I tell you what uh, well 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 it was good to be back on Friday wasn't it have you recovered from that? Yeah, particularly since I was so uh, negative in my response but we worked out that I think if I'm negative every time and we'll win. Yeah. So yep. uh, that's great. So I'll carry on being a miserable bastard. No, no, I'm all for that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Although, well, we'll talk about it later, but you and I need to talk about our appalling performances in the prediction. <laughs> was I bad again, Jim? You, you got, you got, you got, you did worse than Neil Puan. You got <laughs> minus, minus Puan, mate. Again. Uh, but we'll talk about that later. I can't wait. It's actually, I, I have to say, I, it's gonna. I'm sure this is gonna be a running gag throughout the entire season. How utterly shit the fan cast members are at their own bloody league. But anyway, more of that later. Uh, we've got. I'm delighted to say, uh, my favourite person, one of my favourite people in the world, Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. Good evening, Chish. Good evening, everybody. Lovely to be on. Looking forward to it. Yeah, you're looking. Nice things to talk about. Yeah, you're looking well. You're looking very well. Yeah, well, that's. Uh, I've just had my very lovely dinner, uh, so just looking relaxed and looking forward to it. I have to say, I mean, COVID has been obviously dreadful and awful, and sympathies with everybody suffering, etc. But not having to commute for six months has basically given me a new lease of life. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I, I can believe that. I can believe that. I mean. Uh, it's kind of weird. I'm I'm still knackered all the time because I do so much work on this, but uh, that's kind of mitigated by not flying around like I normally do. Uh, Dino Mears is the uh, last person tonight on the fan cast. Dino, how the devil are you, Squire? Yeah, very chilled after this weekend compared to um, the midweek performance. Yeah, but a pleasure to be back on the show. Good. You've chilled well too. We're all chilled well. Just as well I called the show Chill Well tonight. Anyway, uh, yeah, lots to discuss tonight, as Dino quite rightly points out. Uh, and uh, on the show tonight, we're going to discuss Ben Chilwell's superb debut, uh, the defence keeping a clean sheet, which I think needs a big up, uh, Conte getting back to his best, I think, and uh, Jorginho bringing something. 
we discuss what that something might be. Oh, and of course, as ever, Havertz is silky smooth. Silky smooth Havertz. I do love it. Spelt, spelt, Chips. Silky spelt. smooth. No, that's, your joke doesn't work. Mine does. Silky smooth. It wasn't smooth. a joke. It's, I'm just telling you what he is. He's spelt. Okay. You're, you're talking being factual then. Sorry, be, be factual about you are being spelt. You are being factual. No, I just did my description. It's descriptive. Yeah. He's a svelte player. He's yeah, a svelte. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it still yeah. ruins my joke. Oh, is... I didn't mean to. Sorry. I don't mean it. he's a svelte as in he's a good Ebenezer good. I mean, he's svelte. <laughs> Where the hell did that come from? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were thinking I was going, he's a svelte, he's a svelte, Ebenezer svelte. Oh, no, I wasn't thinking God. that at all. No. Uh, Jonathan, <laughs> give me some of the drugs that you're taking. They are clearly working. It's brilliant. Ebenezer Good. Do you know Mr. C's a big Chelsea fan? Is he? Oh yeah. Who was the other bloke in it? It was um it was the comic. Who was that comic who was in it? Um I can't remember. Oh I know. Jerry Sadder what well, yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, completely brilliant comic. Yeah. But, um, slightly mad. Amazing. I've, five I've minutes in. Can I just can I just go off on a tangent? Well we've done say Jerry, five minutes Jerry. in and we've gone completely off piste. I love it. I love it. Jerry Sadowitz said one of the funniest things. I've ever heard, and it gets repeated ad nauseum on several different occasions. He was, uh, I think he was performing somewhere, and my brother was uh, was going to see him, and he walked past the queue. Um, my brother went to him, oh, you're, you're Jerry Sadowitz, and he just went, am I? And then walked away. <laughs> and it's obviously not very funny at all, but... Um, it stayed Maybe. with you. It stayed with it you. Stayed, like it stayed with like me and my friends. Like mackerel. <laughs> Indeed, but without the smell. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, <laughs> now we've got... I better haul us back in because we do have a show to do. Uh, now, where was I? Yes, Havertz is silky smooth. Now, in part two, we're going to ask, uh, with Jorginho and Havertz impressing, where does this leave Mason Mount, uh, who... Didn't start, which is very unusual for Mason. Anyway, does Werner need to start as a striker rather than out wide? Is there genuinely pressure on Frank or is it just media gaslighting? And how close are Chelsea to being where we want them to be? And in part three, we check in with this week's Chelsea fancast, Premier Predictions League. Uh, We gave it a quick plug a minute ago because Jonathan and I are being rubbish. Now, uh, we will talk about it, though. Now... Um, oh God, yeah, of course. What is today? Today is transfer deadline day. So uh, we will be asking who needs to stay, who needs to go and who needs to come in and following what's going on because it's all going on as we speak. So we will check in with that. And in part four, I'm delighted to say we do have another edition this week of In Off The Post because we've had some emails. So there you go. JK and I will read them out. Uh, later on in the show. Brilliant stuff. Now, as ever, don't forget, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7pm by going to Mixler, which is uh, mixler.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast, where, of course, you can join in all the chat by posting on the la- uh, the live chat pages. So many of you do. Load- loads of you in here tonight. Blimey. It's amazing what a win can do. Um, right. Lovely. Who we got? We got MHL Gate 14. I've got lovely Pete Sampson from CFC Net, as we said a minute ago. If she don't come... Uh, keep the blue flag flying in the north. Kepler four B. Nobby Steelers. Andrew Self. Gillian Bromfield. Ah, yes. Good to see you in here, and well done for. I don't think I'm allowed to say anything, but I. I but well done. You know what I mean. So there you go. Uh, anyway, uh, brilliant to see all of our Mixler friends in there. We will try and answer your questions as we're going along. Uh, but after this very small break, we'll be starting to talk about the uh, the Palace match. 
brilliant fun. I mean, you know, it was about time. It's been coming. We absolutely needed it. Uh, gotta love a 4-0. Uh, Palace, I thought, you know, as I said in the intro, they are no mugs. I mean, they beat United 3-1. Mind you, United are clearly shit, so that doesn't say a lot. But, you know, <laughs> you know, and I thought they were unlucky against Everton. We were saying all this on the on the Friday preview show. Um, so I, 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 we all confidently predicted a pretty hefty win. But it's nice when it when it does happen. But the first thing we've got to absolutely talk about is is Ben Chilwell, because I thought he was absolutely superb. As I said again in the intro, you know he brings balance to the side, which we haven't seen for a while. Uh, he scores a great goal, an Alonso S goal, ironically. Um, but I thought more more important, he he has that vitality and that pace to get back, you know, to stop the attacking threat down the left. Uh, and he stops the counter-attacks. But the best thing of all, of course, is his absolutely superb delivery. Um, of course, he, he crossed the ball for Zuma to score the second. Uh, and, of course, he scored his own goal. Um, absolutely man of the match in my book, JK. Uh, completely brilliant. But to me, that's what you need to do on a on a, a debut. I know it's difficult for some of the other players. But, I, I, you know, Amaya Kulper, I've actually said in the past, um, I'm not convinced that he was the player, but... Um, I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And what I loved about him was that all the other players around him suddenly played better as a consequence. He brings so many players into the game and it's, it's inspiring because you can see them thinking, oh, we've got an opportunity here. Yeah, we're going to wear. And he interacted with them so well. Um, once again, it's that business about, you know, it's like Hamas Rodriguez going straight to the Everton side and being excellent. It's, I do slightly despair of all of this. You've got to give them time. I, I appreciate they're not play, play, some of them are playing in a different league. And, but I, I think top players, uh, they don't have to be coaxed into performing like that. I thought he was, he, he, it was Ashley Cole-like, his performance. And it's, I think it's no uh, coincidence that, that Cole has actually endorsed his purchase. And to me, if that's just one small cog in, in the machine, well, we're, we're going to get there. Because uh, I think when it, all the others start coming in, you will just suddenly see it, it all, it all the, the, you know, the, I say the machinery will start working beautifully. But he was outstanding. It was, it was, it was, uh, my little heart was lifted by his performance. Well, I'm sure he'll be delighted to know that. Um, Clayton, you know, you and JK together have seen more debuts from Chelsea players than I've had hot dinners. Um, where does this rank? Uh, certainly up there. Um, he was fantastic. He was uh, he was very good. The one thing that you actually missed out that he does, um, which was a bit of a revelation, was he took a corner that beat the first yeah, man. Yeah. He took several corners he that did. beat the first man. Um, Ross Bartley took some corners and was quite good for Villa. I was taken aback by that. So. Yeah, well, we'll talk about well, that We'll leave that for probably. the Villa podcast, shall we? Yeah. I know, I know. Um, no, I, I just thought he was excellent. I thought he did everything he needed to do and a bit more. Um, it's what you want. I mean, let's be honest, he wasn't cheap. We paid we paid a premium price for him, but that doesn't guarantee anything. Sometimes you've got to buy your eggs from Waitrose, mate, or Harris, exactly. you know? Exactly. Not little or Aldi. And they've got <laughs> to be quiet. Sometimes they've got to be quail eggs. Have they? Yes. I'd rather have duck egg blue. Anyway, let's go Clayton. Sorry, I didn't mean... Well, I didn't mean to interrupt. The the point is that um, it was fantastic. You couldn't have asked for any more. And to be fair, um, and just put a little bit of uh, a reality check on this, 
he, if asked for an opponent that wasn't going to test him uh, to any great degree, um, they, they were ideal because they didn't. And I think that um, he was lucky in that regard. But in saying all of that, uh, I was quite interested because, um, as I've mentioned before, one of my uh, dear friends is a Leicester fan. And I went to the Leicester game last year which was a 2-2 draw in which Chilwell scored. And obviously all the chat had been about. And he said to me, he said, he's really gone off this season. He said, he's really gone off. The, you know, his head's been turned and he's been very average, which didn't actually stop him scoring against us. Um, but I think that he was as good as we could have expected him to be. I think it was a first-class debut. Really, really good. Yeah, no, it was, it was. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure you would agree with that. Dean, Any anything else that struck you about Chilwell's performance? I noted down he was like a love child of Ashley Cole and Marcus Alonso. You know, he was able to get forward and <laughs> create things in the final third and also, you know, when he needed to get back and defend. Yeah. You know, as Clayton said, that wasn't very often against Crystal Palace because they didn't offer too much. But, you know, he's an essential part of you know his role is being able to do that defending which we haven't had since Ashley Cole in that position I, th- I think so, sorry mate go on go on no, just, I'm just really impressed with his performance mm, I mean I think I think you know other than I mean obviously we're delighting in the fact that he scored a goal and he made the one he's taken the corners he gets up quickly but I think actually you know that and, I, and I said I said the fact that he scored an Alonso-esque goal you know with with a bit of heartfelt meaning because we know Alonso can do that. The trouble is he can't bloody defend. And I think over and above everything else that Chilwell brought, he also can defend. And, you know, I, I mean, the next point I wanted to make was the fact I'm absolutely delighted, not just that we scored four goals, but we actually kept a clean sheet, something we've struggled to do for so long, it seems. Um, and I know that Silver, I think, had a lot to do with that. As I said in, in the intro, he, he he's really calm, very experienced, reads the game beautifully. He's got fantastic distribution. And of course, he organises everybody, even makes Zuma look better. But I think actually the other point is is that Chilwell is an essential cog in that. As we all know, we've been watching football a long time. You need a good, solid, stable back five. And I thought that's what they looked like on Saturday. I thought Mendy, you know, he looked capable. You know, he got us out of the poo when we slipped up, I thought, did quite well. He imposes himself on the game. I think Aspie, uh, you know, improves us defensively when he plays. And he's the captain. We'll talk about that in a minute. Silver and, and, and Zuma, I thought, looked very good together. But it was Chilwell. He is a proper left-back who can get back and defend Dean. And I think that's also what he brings to it. It made a real difference, I think. Yeah, I mean, they looked as though they had played together as a five for some time. You know, it was the first game that they had all played together. You know, the communication, uh, they all spoke French apart from Chilwell. Um, I think that was very important um, for Silva to sort of organise things, talking to people in the same language. You know, it's a bit like doing this show. I know JK can speak his own language sometimes, but if we all spoke a different (laughs) language, even though we're talking about the same things, the show doesn't quite work the same. Well, well, I'm waiting. How long is going to maintain? Oh, dearie me! No, I, I, I think that all, all of that, that, that's actually pretty relevant. It's a very great point, actually, Dean. I mm. really like that. The fact that, yeah, that they can speak. Um, if they, he can be understood by them, that's really, really great, isn't it? I, I, I thought defensively. I mean, I've, I've got a theory at the moment about what he's trying to do. Is that 
I don't I think that he's not trying to play the the pressing game in the same way, because I think as we're finding out the pressing game itself is being found out. And, and that was our undoing was pressing and having the ball, particularly in the cup final, chipped over the top and people running after it. Whereas if the defence is unbelievably solid, you can then almost do a combination of breaks, but also um, just decent moves, quick, decent moves that don't make you vulnerable. And that was the most confident I had in the defence. I don't think we were great in the first half because we just similarly were a bit slow and, and we're looking a bit un, uncreative. But it looks much, much more solid. And I'm afraid, I don't think at the moment that Rhys James gets a, gets a go it, it, because he is fallible defensively. It's a, he's a bit like Alonso. If you keep watching him, if you look, he, he misses marking people. He's not quite there. He doesn't quite get back. Whereas we know that Dave fulfills all those defensive qualities. So it, it was a surprise to us, wasn't it, in the end, that, that we all thought that Dave would play left back and that Chilwell probably wouldn't play, and that we'd have Rhys James again. But no, it, it was that's the way that, that Frank set up. And I, think, I, I thought, no, yeah. I thought I thought Chilwell would start after he got 60 minutes against Spurs, because I thought that's what they were doing, 30, 60, and then the 90. But you thought that, that Rhys James would play on the right wing, on the right Well, I, I, I have to say I did, but, I, you know, I, I, I like Rhys James a lot, and I think he's a super player potentially. But I think, and this is to ask Clayton this, because, you know, he's been around a bit. It's an interesting thing, isn't it, with football? because he's young and therefore he's still learning the game in many respects. And I think for a, for a, a left back or a right back, the most important thing to know is when to go and when to stay. And that's that's what I think Reese is having trouble with at the moment because he does get caught high up the pitch a lot. We've talked about it last week. Now, that's something that will either come through experience or it's something he will never get. What do you think, Clayton? I think it's quite an interesting one. I, I, I think that Rhys James will not end up a right back. I think he will end up in midfield. I think he'll be an engine in midfield. Um, I think you're right. I think at the moment he struggles with the discipline of the position. But in saying that, the last time we played yeah. Crystal Palace at home, he basically, everybody on here and everywhere else, was extolling the fact that he had basically kept Zaha quiet for the whole game. Yeah, now, definitely. the last time we played Palace, they actually went over the halfway line. So he did actually have something to do. Um, I think that Asby playing adds, obviously, captaincy, and, and it was really interesting um, for all those people who say he's not a leader to have watched him what he did uh, with the penalty. But I think more importantly, I, I, I'm pretty convinced that that side was picked um, so that we didn't lose on Saturday because I think that Frank knew that we couldn't afford to go into the international break on the back of the West Brom performance, the Spurs performance, uh, with a, a defeat. Uh, so I'm pretty convinced, and that's why Jorginho was picked, um, and that's why Asby was picked, because it was all about making sure we were solid um, and that we weren't going to get done on the break. So I haven't really answered your question, but I, I, that's why I think Asby was picked. I think Rhys James is, is, is great. I think he will play yeah, well, a right too. back. Um, but I do, I do really think that he's, 
he's got a future in, in the middle of the park, depending on where we go and, and sort of personnel going forward. Mm. I think I think you'll get better, JK. But I mean, would you want to come in on that? Um, no, I just I, I think he's 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 almost made a. Um, I'm not so sure he picked a team that didn't think they were going to be beaten. I think he picked the best team. I think that that Dave isn't going to leave players alone in the way that Reese James does at um, uh, at crosses, and uh, and I just think his judgment is is youthful. But no, potentially. Um, if you have the same kind of cross coming in from Chilwell, from him and Chilwell, which you do, I mean, Chilwell get, gets that same curl on the on the ball as Robertson and uh, um, Terence Trent Derby. Um, Why not just right? He does exactly the same. Uh, he's got exactly the same um, that ability to to cr- those those fantastic curling crosses that uh, seem to be the staple of of, of Mane and um, and and uh, Salah for Liverpool. So um, can I just yeah pull you up on something, Jonathan? You say that about Asby not leaving his man. The goal we conceded against Spurs in the League Cup, everybody was having a go at Emerson, rightly so, because he was out of position. But how much bloody space did Regulan have? Asby was absolutely nowhere near him when they got the cross in. Well, so, that's, a, that's a question of closing down, though, rather than actually no, being nowhere near anybody. I don't think they're they're on top of closing people down. I don't think Dave. I don't think Dave's the best player. I think Dave Dave is should actually just be become squad player. In if we're going for you know elite elitist and uh, elite an elite team and perfection, which is what we, we're we're trying to. I, but because he's never he never crosses as well. He never has done. It's just his right. he's he's much more reliable in getting back and up and. Um, yes, in instances he doesn't close down enough. I mean, I I never quite understand this business of you know you it was you allow some excellent players room at the end of the penalty area. And what a surprise the balls ended up in the net. You know, you've just got to you've got to get on top of them immediately. So I'm um, and that was unfortunately that's a mistake Alonso makes all the time. And uh, and, and I know we're going to find out tonight, aren't we? Whether Alonso or Emerson goes, they hope that one of them goes. But uh, if neither of them goes, it's going to be a a bit of a mystery. But well. we'll we're getting to that, aren't we? I, I'm going to stand by Reese James, but I, I you know, I, th- I think this is the transition season. I, I suspect, um, you know, th- but I still think he's basically the understudy to Aspie, and that's how he should be. And I mean, Aspie's positioning, and I can't remember who said it on Mixler. Some somebody um, said something brilliant on Mixler, and I'm going to try and find it because they deserve due credit but uh, here we go it was uh, MHL gate 14 he says positionally Dave is one of the best players I've seen for Chelsea are we standing in the right place legs going but still positionally well aware I I couldn't agree more with that and I think if Dave can uh, teach James that in his role as understudy this year it'll be a superb service he does to Chelsea but I think ultimately James will replace him even if it might not be this season I just want to mention something else about Aspie actually uh, uh, Dean because um, obviously, Tammy uh, did a bit of a drogba over the penalty, which I have to be honest, Dean, I- I've got no problem with that. I mean, you know, I want my strikers to be goal pigs and hungry and greedy and bolshy. Um, but quite rightly, Jorginho is the penalty taker. That's the plan. We all know what happened last year with Barkley against Valencia, if you recall. Um, and I thought it was really good captaincy for, by Aspie to step in and say, no, sunshine, get off your bike. He's the penalty taker. That's how it's going to be. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. He sort of dealt with it sort of straight away. There was no prolonged discussion between them. Sort of, he, he grabbed the ball and said, "You know, Jorginho taking the penalty." 
you know, like you, I've got no complaints with Tammy saying he wants to take the penalty. I just think he could have just had a word with Jorginho rather than trying to stand with the ball in the penalty spot and hope Jorginho doesn't notice that somebody else is going to take the penalty. And it's just a way to do things. It just creates another story um, that the media can sort of drive. Yeah, I mean, it's quite fun. It's actually that Werner was involved in that as well. well I think Werner he, he was sniffing around too, but he, he backed was. off, he didn't tried, he? He tried to take it, yeah, but but backed off absolutely. But he's he's a lot he's a lot shorter than Tammy. Probably a good move. You know, and probably uh, I think he he wasn't sure what, whether this was allowed or not. This, is this uh, is this how you do this of in the English sure league? To bed, to argue penalty. about who takes the penalties? Yes, yeah, so I Because if so, I would like to put my my claim in for this penalty goal. This is a bit hello, hello, isn't it, Chief? Yeah, let's move on. Uh, yeah. Talking of hello, 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 Conte, uh, JK's favourite pronunciation of his favourite player. Um, we have got to mention him. I mean, you know, words fail me with Conte, I really do. He is just wonderful because he 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 just does what he does, and and people often miss it. But I just thought he was wonderful, wonderful on Saturday against Palace. He was. Looking much more like his old self, breaking up play. He's a disruptor. I love it. But he was also always looking to make runs forward with the ball, you know. And I think that's something that that we need to see more of from a lot of the team. And I love it. And he's always available. And I just think uh, Clayton, if if Conte can stay fit, this will be massive for us this season. Oh, absolutely. I mean, even uh, for those fifteen twenty minutes against Spurs when he came on. He was just gave us the energy that we'd actually been missing. He's a fantastic player. Yeah. I think that he's a great player, but he causes us problems in terms of Frank doesn't quite know, or maybe he does in his own mind, who to play with him. Well, they played under um, two, didn't they? they? It was Jorginho yeah. on Conte, wasn't it? So it was it was four yeah. two three I mean, one. Do you, do you want to talk about Jorginho now? As, yeah, as well, well as... weave, weave him in. Well, I'll tell you what I will do, mate, is I'm going to I'm gonna move Havertz into part two because I think that goes very well with what I want to talk about with Mount. So let's just do I Conte. Just say, I agree with you completely. I thought Conte was fantastic. Yeah, Clayton? Yeah, no, I, he, he was. And it, it was quite interesting because we had that little email exchange, didn't we, JK, about uh, Jorginho? Yeah. Because um, I said I said to my son uh, during the second half, I said I'm going to say this is before the penalties. I'm going to say it's very quietly, but Jorginho's had a really good game. And my son just said to me, "Well, why were you slagging him off for the whole of the first half?" <laughs> and I went, "Yeah, yeah. Apart from apart that, apart from that, what did what did Jorginho ever do for us?" Um, I it occurred to me, and it might be a light bulb moment, and it may be something which everybody else says, "Yeah, we know that." But Jorginho is is extremely useful when people don't attack us. If we are playing the, these blocks at home, these these two blocks of five, he's a great player to have because he's good with distributing the ball. Um, he's good in directing other people doing things. His big problem is that he can't tackle and people just walk past him, which is no use when you're playing the Liverpools, the Man Cities uh, of this world. So perhaps there is a role for him. I, I don't know. I still don't know. I'm still confused by him. But I will say that I thought, certainly in the second half, he played really well. And I, I, I sort of, uh, I, he's now completely confused me, to be honest. Yeah. As, as I put in my tweet, it will confuse a lot of people, his performance. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah. because, because quite frankly, before that game, if he would have been left out and he would have left in the transfer market, I would have thought, so what? But he was—he played really well, and I suppose it's all about having a squad, different parts, 
making things work for other people. He, he was given an opportunity to play that lovely picking out somebody long ball that he can play with great uh, uh, delicacy. He played Dead that ball to Abrahams in the first yeah, half beautiful. was fantastic. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not, I've not been his biggest fan, largely for what Clayton said. I think he gets exposed, uh, you know, by teams that will attack us. But I don't, I don't think he's a waste of space. And I think, uh, you know, I, well, I agree with everything that Clayton said. There, there's no point in me just saying the same thing that he's just said. Now, Dean, I know you, you've always been a big fan of Jorginho, or should we, in your honour, we'll call him J Five, as all the kids do. Um, would you like to expand on what me, Clayton, and J.K. have said? We've all been quite supportive of Jorginho, but I think is it a case of, you know, he needs to be played in the right matches or or what? Yeah, I think um, sort of going forward, if you've got players like Werner, Hakim uh, Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, Kai Havertz, when teams come to Stamford Bridge, they're going to be worried about you know what we're going to bring attacking wise, and that will leave teams like Crystal Palace sitting with two banks of four letting us sort of have the ball and that's when you're going to need Jorginho to, to play the sort of passes and sort of break through the, the teams with those balls over the top, etc. For, for the attackers to make. You know, we all know he's, you know, limits as a defensive midfielder when teams break against us, but that's hopefully when Frank will pick a different midfield to negate the threats of other teams. But, you know, definitely when teams come to Stamford Bridge like Crystal Palace, we're going to perform better with Jorginho in the team than with him out of it. Mm. I do think it's going to be horses for course myself, but I do think he brings something and he proved that. And let's, I mean, you know, the penalties he took on uh, Saturday were absolutely fantastic. Um, the interesting thing, though, is it does present a bit of a conundrum, which is something I want to move on to uh, in uh, in part two. Now, either the conundrum is how do you fit Jorginho, Havertz and Mountain? Or the conundrum is how do you fit Havertz and Mountain? But whatever that particular conundrum happens to be, we're going to answer it hopefully in part two. Now, before we go to part two, uh, of course, it's our time for our usual plug of CFC UK. I do love it when we do this show and I come to the CFC UK plug because odds on that uh, nearly, well, whoever I've got on, apart from JK, all right for the fanzine and it's no mm-hmm. different tonight me clayton and dean all right for cfc uk god love it and dj uh our dear leader uh now uh, as you know you can't get it on a match day at the store because we can't go to matches but you can get it digitally by subscribing online at cfcuk.net or you can get it in the good old traditional post uh first class postal delivery two quid then it costs you but you uh basically if you want to do that whether you want to subscribe to it uh, you know physically uh, or get it through and get it through the post and you can pay by PayPal but you email cfcuk at gate17.co.uk there we go now we will be back for part two in a second real fans real opinions I'm Jason Cundy and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com Right, welcome back. Uh, this, of course, is the Chelsea Fancast with me, your Uncle Stamford Chidge, on a Monday evening, chewing the fat, chewing the breeze with his mates that, of course, I like to go to the games with down the pub 
uh, and then go to the match. But of course, we're not allowed to. And it makes me a very sad panda. It does. Uh, but that aside, it's fantastic. Actually, it just almost makes up for the fact I can see these reprobates every Monday on here. So uh, they are, of course, Mr. Jonathan Kidd. Aloha. They are Mr. Clayton Beerman. Good evening. And of course, they are the wonderful Dean Mears, the editor of the Chelsea Fancast website, I should say. Good evening. There you go. Have you put your Monday piece out today? I don't do it when I'm on the show, because otherwise it's um, a bit repetitive, I think. Okay, fair enough. I c- you could you could use it as a teaser as to what you might say. Yeah, I do put out there that um, they're going to have to listen to the show rather than okay no i like that i like that we've had a we've had a bit of interest from people wanting to write we've got my brazilian friend felipe and we've had uh louis have you seen those yeah they've been in touch and we spoke to them hopefully we're going to get some uh, more stuff on the website and if if anyone else wants to get involved you know just drop me a message yeah good i hope hope you like the fact that I'm, i'm you know giving you management responsibility here dean you know i just say go and talk to go and talk to dean he's the editor i said yeah, they say Chidge said just talk to you. Yeah, yeah, because you see, you know what you're doing, and I don't. That's the reason why it's the heart of all good delegation. Give the job to somebody who knows what they're doing, especially if you don't. Right. Anyway, we digress as we often do. Um, as uh, as uh, Mark, the lovely Mark Meehan, who was with us last week, has said on Mixley, he said deadline this Friday, Chidge. You told me last week it was Friday, so I was a week early. I know that was so funny, and I, I should I should expand on this because anybody who who knows me well knows that I never give my uh, you know I never finish my CFC UK pieces until like midnight on a Friday the deadline's basically midnight on a Friday and I was convinced it was last week and I had a hell of a week last week not least because we did the first preview show we've done in ages uh, and basically by about half one I was just spent and I, I had it all in my head but I just there's no way I was going to sit at my computer anymore and write. so I messaged DJ saying mate I'm really sorry I, I'll, I'll have to give it to you tomorrow please forgive me yeah and I woke up to an email from DJ saying, Chidge, it's next Friday. So, of course, I replied, well, that's that's a first for me to be early then, isn't it? Which is kind of true. Anyway. Can I, just, uh, can I just tell you that I sent exactly the same text message uh, to DJ on Friday <laughs> as well? Brilliant. And it's only because he basically said it's bef- the week before the international break, the Friday before the international break. Rather than give us a date, which us elder statesmen, we don't do things like that. I need a date. Mm. I need certainty. So that's why I got confused as well. Good. Well, I'm glad I, I, I've caused all sorts of consternation here. I did the same for Walter because I spoke to him last Friday and he, he was left thinking that he had to do a CFC UK article. Maybe it's a cunning ruse of DJ to get us to put him in earlier for him. But anyway, we digress. Now, earlier on, we were talking about Jorginho playing quite well in midfield and actually bringing us something... To it. It, it, you know, it fitted in very well with him and Kante playing in four-two-three-one, which we think is what Frank wants to play this year. Um, but we also felt that it's great when we're playing against a team that doesn't really want to come and attack us, um, but uh, maybe not so good with a team that does want to attack us or one that is particularly good on the counter-attack. Now, moving on from that, but still talking a little bit about the midfield, uh, I need to have my weekly passionate uh, love eulogy to. Kai Havertz, he is silky smooth because he just is. And I, I again, I, I thought he was wonderful, you know. But I think the interesting thing about it, he was definitely playing in his preferred position. With Mount not playing, Frank goes for a four-two-three-one, and he's basically playing Havertz in the ten, the ten role. Um, and we know that that's where that's where that's where Havertz wants to play. Uh, now he's great on the ball, 
and he's got great vision. The first question I want to ask before we drop Mount into this equation, something I did notice that worries me a bit, uh, JK, is is he robust enough? I mean, I'm kind of worried about him. I'm not saying he's weak and, and useless. I just think that, you know, we know how the Premier League works. If opposition uh, players smell a bit of weakness or fragility, they'll stamp on you, literally. And he did get clattered and kicked a bit. And I wonder if that could be a worry for us. I didn't see that at all. I saw him get stuck in on several occasions, actually. All right, good. I thought he did. I was probably tweeting in those moments. In the, I think you probably were. Yeah, yeah. You're, <laughs> or you're, picking you're, my ass or something. You're bending know. down to do something. You know, we don't really want to know. No, about. you don't. No, but um, no. I, I, I thought um, no, because I, I noted it down. I thought, oh, immense tackle by uh, by Havertz. Okay. He's, he's clearly a class act. Just needs to contribute a bit more. Just needs to get involved a bit, which I think will come. I, I, I can't believe we're you know we're talking about how brilliant Chilwell was and and, and upped his game and caused everybody else around him to up their game. Um, but um, uh, as at the moment, I'll keep going by my Mickey Fillery um, comparison with people who don't know what he was like. It, it's a bit similar in and out, you know. But um, uh, you can tell by some of the occasions when he lines shots up and you think, well, actually, if it hadn't been blocked by an excellent defenders, an excellent defence, because Premier League defenders are pretty good, um, uh, I mean, as are German defenders. But I think he had a more, bit more time playing for Leverkusen. But it's that... It's the you can see that he wants to he wants to get the ball whipped across into corners. He's he's um he's a class act. I just want him to you want him to run the game because uh, that's what ninety million should do. And and I think he will. And I think when everybody else comes, it'd be very interesting to see when Werner plays in the middle. I know we're going to get round to this, and I had a little chat with Dean on on Twitter last night about it because um, uh, we were saying that in fact you said Dean that Chilwell was allowed to actually have space as well by Werner's runs that he did into the middle, which I thought was a very good point. But at the same time, at the moment, I think Werner's wasted playing left wing. And I think it'll all change when Zayech comes in and Werner is playing centre forward, which I think is his best yeah, position. I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, go on, go on, finish, finish. I'm afraid that Abraham then doesn't play. I, I, I think I don't think it's going to happen. With he no, plays too I, I think I think Abraham is is doing okay. Actually, I think he's doing a lot. No, no, I'm not. I'm not no, criticizing no, 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 him. I, 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 I know you're not. I know you're not. I'm just just saying. I think he's doing okay. I think he's doing better than a lot of us. I think a lot of us thought the minute that Werner arrived. Now that's it for Tammy. He might even get loaned out. But actually, he's proved that he's a good player, and he's you know he scored twenty goals or something in the last calendar year for us. Um, and I think he's got a role this season. He may be the second striker. Uh, literally and figuratively. I mean, you know, you can bring him on as a two up front or you bring him on instead of the, the main striker when he when he comes off, gets injured, what have you. But I do agree with you, and, and I, I noted that down. I, I, just, I just thought that, that Werner kind of... I think he, he was finding it hard to get into the game. I think he did a good job for us because a job he had to do because I still think at the moment, certainly in the last game, that Frank has still got this conundrum that at the moment he only has one fit and firing winger because both Pulisic and, and Ziyech were not available although of course Pulisic got his 10 minutes which was good to see so I don't think Frank had a lot of choice he either put Mount out, out on the left or maybe Havertz which I don't like or Werner who can do that job but I do think he was finding it hard to get in the, in the game and he absolutely has to start as our striker and the sooner as he gets a goal in the Premier League the better but I'm not worried about Werner his time will come he's, he's too good a player for it not to happen but look, in, in the midst of all of this, and this is perhaps the time to bring this in, 
you know, we're kind of moving to if we if we're playing four two three one. If Frank's playing four two three one, we know that he's going to play Canty in the two. We know that Jorginho might be the other one, but let's hold on that thought for a minute. We know that he's going to play Werner up front, and we know that he's probably going to play Pulisic and Zayic in the wings, if not Pulisic and uh, Hudson-Odoi. But, you know, that's his choice for wingers, okay? And Havertz is going to play the number 10. So where does this leave Mason Mount? Now, I know, I, I mean, I, I don't think he was dropped. I think he was rested because he does play a huge amount of games. I've been whinnying on for the last few weeks that my best midfield, forget forget who the players are for a minute per se, but what you've got to have is a destroyer, a box-to-box player and a creative player. So if I was playing a, a 4-3-3, for me, it would always be Kante, Havertz and Mount. You know, Mount's your number eight, Havertz is your number 10, Kante's your number four, your destroyer. But if Frank's playing 4-2-3-1, that makes it more complicated because can you see Mount playing next to Kante as a two, Clayton? No. No, I, th- I think I think you're 100% right with that that three. And I think that would be our best three. Um, I just want to go back to Jonathan. Um, I don't... I, I understand what you're saying about Havertz, but you are not going to see what you want to see. This is how Kai Havertz plays. Kai Havertz drifts in and out. And but Jonathan's watched videos lo- and everything, Clayton. He watched Borussia yeah, Dortmund watched, all, all, watched, all last season. Leverkusen all last season. He, he even watched Leverkusen as well as Dortmund. Well, if, if he actually did... I didn't even know where the bastard season. played. Anyway, sorry, go on, Clayton. If he did watch them last season, then he would have seen him doing a lot of what he did and what he's done for us so far. He's not that sort of player. He's not the sort of player that you're going to see him do get involved or what have you. He floats in and out. The guy is an absolute genius of a footballer, um, but he's not somebody who's going to get... He's a a complete floater. I hate to say this. I hate to say this, and I I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but he will have a little bit of Ozil about the way he plays and the way he drifts in and out. I just think he's a, he's a really good footballer. He is a luxury footballer, and I think he's going to be fantastic for us. I think there will and obviously is going to be a, a period where he's going to be assimilated into the side. And yes, you will see more than than you're seeing at the moment, but it's only when he links up with people who he's, he's used to playing with and there, there's he, he's more settled in his environment. But you're not if if you want somebody a box to box or you want to see him sort of tearing around, it ain't going to happen. But he's going to contribute massively, and just I mean, he just does things, just really subtle things. You think, wow, that is so good. Um, you know, I, he just did a couple of hazardesque turns and leaving people, and, and just for the penalty. I mean, I know Saka was clumsy oaf. But it was just brilliant. It's just little term, boom, he's down. I, th- I think I haven't answered your question about Mason Mount at all. I think Mason Mount will figure and will figure a lot because Frank sees him in Mason Mount and, and every team needs a Frank and every team needs a Mason Mount. And I think we're better for it. I do actually think that uh, part of the problem is that it's, it's a bit flogging a dead horse. I mean, he, he didn't need to play against Spurs. Mason Mount. We could have played somebody else. He's he's played too many games too quickly. 
And I think Saturday was a rest, nothing more than that. Mm. Okay, Dino. Um, it is an interesting conundrum that he has. And I mean, if, if we kind of bring it a, a little bit back to Mount, I mean, I guess it, it's going to depend entirely on, you know, what formation Frank picks. But given that we've got wingers who we know who they are, and we have three of them, given that we've got two well-established strikers, if you see what I mean, given that Havertz has to play number 10, I, I think that Mount has to be your number eight, but I can't figure out where to put him. If that's if, if Frank plays 4-2-3-1, I don't see where he can put him. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, sort of the 4 2 three, one leaves him out of the side because he comes a bit of a, a square peg. Um, he can do a job if he needs him to somewhere, maybe out wide against a bigger team. But apart from that, sort of, you're jeopardising the, the fluidity of the team just to play Mason Mount, you know. But on, on Mason, he's played for Frank Lampard for two years and he's made 101 appearances in two seasons. So he's going to feature so heavily for Frank. And I think we'll move back to the 4 3 3 when the wingers come fit. Spot on, Dino. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, you know, maybe we're not factoring in the fact that because we actually only have one fit winger at the moment, he's really using the 4 2 3 1 to accommodate that. So technically, having a you know a midfielder or, or, or in Werner an attacker as your other wide player. In fact, he's used Mount up there too, hasn't he? But I think when when it goes four three three, maybe we will see what. I mean, I would love to see it happen. I would love to see how we look with Kante or Conte, sorry, Mount and Havertz in midfield, and Pulisic, Werner, and Ziyech or um, Hudson Odoi as the front three. Jonathan, does this mean there's no place for Kovacic? Yeah, as a backup to Conte. Yeah, he's not going to start very often. Well, no, but you know, no, but I, I think it then becomes a, a squad setup with excellent players coming on, yeah. which is what we're we're hoping the team aspires to. So uh, yes, if you think about it, you know, you've got Conte as your main defensive midfielder, and the second one is Kovacic. That's a lot better than having Danny Drinkwater as your backup, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mind you, we still may have him tonight. Let's not go there yet. I've been trying to expunge that out of my mind for the moment. But you see what I mean? It's what we were saying yeah. all last year. We need better squad depth. Yeah. We, we're getting yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so there you go. Um, so we're all quite happy that, that you know, Mount, I think you're, we're all right here. I think I think he will end up going 4-3-3 when everybody's fit. And I think that uh, Mount... As uh, Clayton so rightly said, I think Frank sees a lot of himself in Mount. And I think Mount is an absolute eight. He's, he's a number eight. He's box to box. He's got the legs. He's got the dynamism. He absolutely kind of sets the tempo in a way. He can shoot from outside the box. I absolutely love the little guy. I really, really do. Uh, now, talking of Frank, one thing that really got up my jacksy this week uh, was two things. One, the inveterate... Uh, I mean, I, I was on Talk Sport on Friday, and I, 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 I'm very happy to help them out. I always am. But the one person I can't stand talking to is Jordan, whatever his name, Barrett, whatever his name is. I mean, I, I just don't, I, I don't rate him as a presenter, frankly. And he asked stupid questions, and he, and they really had me on there because he wanted to get his agenda out, which is there's big pressure on Frank, and the, the, you know, the theory goes is that. We've spent 200 million quid, and after three matches, we're absolutely shit. And it's just nonsense. But what happens? What I've, what I've noticed what happens, I think this is a classic bit of gaslighting. You get everybody in the media talking about it, and then 
it gaslights the supporters because suddenly you see it all on social media. And I'm not talking about just the usual loonies here. People that we know and love who are actually really sensible start saying, well, you know, Frank doesn't start, we don't start winning soon. You know, there's going to be pressure. And I think where, where it starts from is because the media go on one thing that they know, and that's that Roman Abramovich doesn't suffer fools, and if you don't deliver anything quickly, you get the tin tack. But it takes absolutely no account of the fact that we may be in uncharted territory with Chelsea here. Maybe they've got a plan. Maybe they're going to do what Liverpool did with Klopp. You know, maybe it's not the same. And it's just such a lazy, lazy narrative, and it thoroughly pisses me off. And people, people who are supporters of Chelsea... Ask yourself this question. Ask yourself where this is coming from and why they're doing it. Use some critical thinking. We had we'd played three matches. You know, Frank said it perfectly, I think, in the presser afterwards. We beat Brighton away. That's proving to be a good result, looking how well they're playing, even if they're not getting the results. We lost to Liverpool with ten men. And we, yeah, we were shocking in the first half against West Brom, but we fought back from 3-0 down. Not many teams do that in the Premier League. So it's hardly a bloody crisis. And half of the players he's bought hadn't even started. Use some critical thinking. Do not believe this gaslighting bullshit from the media, who, of course, perennially give uh, Liverpool, who lost 7-2, an easy ride. Apparently they lost because the grass was too long. And Man United equally got... I mean, it was all about how crap Man United or, or how unlucky they were against Spurs. Not that they got thumped by a decent team. Critically think about what the media are saying before you start making your own judgments. Jonathan? And of course, Chich, is that if Roman does get rid of him, it'll be sort of November or December anyway. We After we play late. West Brom again. Yeah, and we started late anyway, so the season, so it'd probably be January. So I don't know what they're deciding after three or four games. It is absolutely ludicrous, isn't it, to actually believe that, particularly with him ne- never having played the, the the best team. That why would the pressure be on him? I suppose if if the if the team loses, um, uh, the pressure is on um, uh, is on on Solskjaer much more than Frank at the moment because of the the worst result they've had since 1932 or something. So. Um, that's where pressure should be applied. But I still don't even think they'll do that. They were all saying that they thought Pochettino would be in after the international break. But um, uh, if they buy all these players, um, they'll, it'll mean that they've got faith in in Solskjaer because they'll be Solskjaer's picks. I presume Solskjaer will be in on the purchases. But let's see let's see what happens tonight. But no, it is it is absolutely ludicrous to believe that he'll be he'll be the pressure is on every manager all the time if the results aren't there of course you know, but but you know um um particularly in this instance frank, frank is trying to work something out i'm i felt that one one um, as we said one aspect of the uh, of of the plan seemed to be much better and the defense appeared to be much solid much more solid and uh, as i said um chill will seem to inspire but and and silver inspire better performances from those around him, particularly Zuma, who played out of his skin. So, uh, um, but once again, are we sure that that's going to be the uh, be the final selection for the defence? Because he's got got the other. You know what happened to Tamori? Why didn't Tamori play in well, that because game? Because it's because they're doing what you've asked them to do, Jonathan, for years and years and years now, going back to two thousand and four five. He's trying to have two, two quality players, players in every position. Absolutely, exactly right. absolutely. No, but it does work if all those best teams still had a. Um, all those Mourinho teams still had a team, had a selection that was consistent. He didn't flick around with them. He just made sure that if anybody was injured, somebody would come in or anybody wasn't playing as well, he would replace them. He was happy to do that. 
I th- mm-hmm. I think Frank will do that, and he, do you know what? He almost admitted as much in the presser on Friday. You know what he wants is he wants a stable back five because he's not an idiot, and he knows that actually that's what makes good football teams, and that's what helps you to win titles. But he also knows that players will go out of form, or they'll get injured, or they'll get suspended. So you yeah. need people who are good to come in. Um, the interesting thing, Clayton, uh, I I had this all dressed up as three questions. But I immediately went into an enormous rant about it, which just as you know, you can tell that it got under my skin. Um, but do I have a point? Are we too quickly gaslighted by the media? Completely. Is it? Um, there was a, is it a tweet last night. Is it Steve Martin, who was basically talking about he wanted us to talk about the press and everything else. Yeah, I think was. the thing is that. Every year that goes by, social media becomes more lunatic. And the people that we follow generally, uh, a lot of Chelsea fans, and you see some of the crap that's that's basically spouted now, it's getting worse and worse. I think the thing is that do we get treated differently to other teams? From our perception, we do because it's more personal and we take it more personally. Um, and we watch the fact out for that, it too, I think. Yeah, the, the, the fact that, that Frank could possibly be under pressure is just nonsense. As you say, step back. Would a board let a manager spend £220 million and give him three days and no, uh, three games to sort it out? The point is that we have now completed our pre-season. We didn't have a pre-season. We basically had no pre-season and the games that we've played now up to the international break, we've got all our players back apart from Ziyech. And Frank's had four or five games to sort things out that he would have had pre-season. So basically, that's where we are now. So if we come to December and we're still putting in 45 minutes worth of West Brom performances every other game, then questions will be asked. I have to say that during the West Brom game at half time, I actually was fearing. I was thinking, Jesus, you know, if this is going to continue, then Frank will come under pressure because that's just the way football is. But I do, you know, we we talked about, I remember this specifically, uh, we talked about the fact that the night that we beat Man City at home and that BT's coverage was 90 minutes of Liverpool winning the title and absolutely nothing about a superb performance from Chelsea that night. We've got nothing at all. Well, say, same with Spurs against United yesterday. I, have, I mean, I'm not trying to stick up for Spurs, but that's that's how the narrative came across. It was all Gary Neville crying into his beer and trying to defend Solskjaer. Well, there was that. And then there was Patrice Evra being just about the worst football pundit that anybody's ever seen. And that is a, that is a huge bar. Um, <laughs> Very yeah, low I bar. Mean, yeah, but 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 the but the point is that last night, how many people were talking about how great Aston Villa were? Nobody. Nobody. Because it was all about the loved ones losing. Yeah. It, it it is personal perception. I think we get a, a. I don't think we get particularly good press. I I, I read Alison Rudd this morning, in the Times, Liverpool reporting fan. on our. Sorry, Liverpool fan. Yeah, but but reporting on our game. And basically, three quarters of it was just criticism. What was she saying? And what was she saying? 
Do you know, I can't remember. I, I will basically have a look. I've got my, my iPad here. I will have a look. But it was just, if you, if you want to move to Dino and, and get Dino, I, not I just will, basically tell some of the things that the she said. The, same. the Observer report was the same. Absolutely. And then Dino there was there was great. Miguel Delaney in The Independent, wasn't there, uh, Dino? Outrageous. Dino, you, you, it's your turn to pitch in on all this. What do you think, mate? As the editor of the Chelsea Fancast website, a man who understands the pressures that we're under. Yeah, obviously there's a there's a natural pressure on a Chelsea manager because there's a certain expectation in terms of being four games into a season and expecting us to be you know winning six nil every week is ridiculous. Yeah, I think a large chunk of it is that there's no supporters in that ground anymore, and journalists aren't getting the train to Fulham Broadway surrounded by Chelsea supporters talking about how much they love Frank Lampard and how excited they are for the what the future holds for the club. There's no one there. All they're seeing is, you know, social media. If you look at what happened under Richo Sarri, online he seemed to have quite a, you know, high level of support in the stadium. Nobody could stand him, and it enables, you know, the press to sort of gauge a different reaction of, you know, what the fans actually think. You know, lots of Henry Winter will stop at the CFC UK store and talk to whoever's there, and they'll understand what's going on at a supporters level. But at the minute, they're allowed to, you know, run their agenda of, of what they think Frank's the pressure that Frank's under, and you know, it's couldn't be further from the mark. Um, what well, exactly, Dino? Now, whilst I don't know if Clayton's found Alison Rudd's piece yet. Yeah, no, I have. So basically, she started off um, talking about Chilwell, um, and he'd only, only sort of emerged because Lampard had fallen out with Alonso. And then we have, uh, she mentions Mendy and then goes on for two paragraphs about slagging off Kepa. Uh, and then she basically starts talking about uh, Thiago Silva uh, and couldn't help but mention the fact that he gave away possession cheaply once against Barnsley and, and fucked up against uh, West Brom. And then arguably the most intriguing conundrum imposed is, is Jorginho, who blah, 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 blah. And so it it's all negative and it's just absolute shite, basically. You know, Saturday was all about solid performance. It wasn't a brilliant performance. The first half was a bit dull. But, you know, wh- when you play a team who come with no ambition whatsoever and have 10 men behind the ball the whole time, it's going to be dull football. So... Rather than just say, well done, this emerging team is, is you know, at its, at, at its start. Let's see where it goes from here. It's just a hatchet job. Absolute shite. Well, talking of hatchet jobs, uh, Miguel Delaney, the weird Irish Spaniard, basically um, he, he had an article in The Independent, which I'm just saying when the, when the publication type, it doesn't really say, but he actually had it almost at the end of the game which, you know, not even time to process it. And his tweet announcing it was basically Abramovich didn't sanction expenditure like that to win by Sacco errors and penalties. And the headline, I know he probably doesn't write the headlines to be absolutely scrupulously fair, but the headline on it is Chelsea's defence bails out their misfiring attack in rout of Crystal Palace that still doesn't offer many answers. I mean, fuck off, all of you, basically. Jonathan? Well, if if they're using um, the the wonderfully attractive goal-scoring football of uh, Liverpool as their template, well, no, it didn't 
correspond to that. Do you remember? Do you remember Klopp's first season, mate? They were hey, shit. I'm, I agree with you completely. They were well. They would play what the, what they seemed to do in the first season. They would play wonderfully for twenty minutes and then be knackered. Oh, a bit like um, um, Chelsea last season. Yeah, absolutely. Then, yeah. And then and then uh, um, blow out of their asses for a bit and then have one last go, having hopefully scored two goals. But um, uh, no, but you can see there's an agenda. There always has been an agenda. There always will be an agenda. Even when Chelsea played wonderfully well in the seventies, there was an agenda. There's, there's uh, the yeah. the only way to not have an a, agenda against Chelsea is for Chelsea to be absolutely invincible, in which case there, there comes a kind of grudging appreciation of how excellent they are. But they, they that's why I think the, that's why the modern brigade hate us. This is all about envy. What underlines this? And you can see it. You can see it. I mean, I had it on Friday night with Jordan Jaden Barrett, wherever his name is. I'm going to call him Jolene. From, he always calls me Chiddy as well. He can't even pronounce my fucking name, the complete buffoon. Anyway, um, basically, the, 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 the subtext is always, but they've spent £220 million, you know. You can't spend all that money and not be under pressure, you know. He's got to win something, otherwise, you know... He'll get fired because they spent all that money. That money, the money that our clubs can't spend because we don't have as much money as you and you're buying football and you're ruining it and we all hate you because of it because we're so fucking envy. And if we had 220 million, we'd all spend it because we want to win. Right? Yeah. That's what it's about. But, but Liverpool have spent the same amount of money as us. It's just completely ludicrous to somehow make out that they're, what are they, Fenway, is, is a, a kind of uh, cheapskate organisation who don't, don't spend money on anything there. I mean, against West Brom in the first half, Martin Tyler must have worked, used the phrase big spenders two or three times. Yeah. And yet whenever I see Liverpool play, they're never called big spenders. Manchester United, who spent 80 on Pogba and 60 oh, on Fernandes, nobody calls them big spenders, do they? But the, the, on, the, on the match of the day last night, was it Genus was saying, how they need to buy about, they know who they need to buy, about four players. You think, hang on, I was under the impression every single one of those players had been bought at huge amounts of money. So I, yeah. I'm, I, 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 the double standards are just completely ridiculous. But I, it, it was ever thus, you know, to use that phrase. It's, it's, there is a, a north-south divide. There's a jealousy and a, an annoyance. And, they, you know, they can't bear the fact that, that we won so many trophies in the last 15 years and became have become a huge player in the environment and they don't like it and they don't want it. They'd rather, every single time there is a, a, a couple of games that go wrong, somebody says, at last, Chelsea have imploded. I'm enjoying watching Chelsea's implosion. And then, lo and behold, we, we win the next four games or something and they go mute and they get, you can see the steam coming out of their ears from the anger of having to cope with the fact that, no, we haven't imploded. It was just something being worked out, you know. But by the way, for those of you who are worried about my mental health and uh, my rant, I was merely, as Jonathan will know, as an accomplished actor himself, I was merely simulating the, uh, uh, you know, the red-loving journalists and uh, supporters of other clubs. That's what I was doing, portraying them in their envy of Chelsea. Isn't that right, Jack? Yeah, I say you did it absolutely. Oh, thank you, darling. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're lovely. You're lovely. Um, we're gonna. I do, I do actually play? think, just to put just to put a lid on this, I do actually think that um, Manchester United, uh, Manchester City, probably suffer from that as well. Yeah, totally agreed. Totally agreed with that. It's funny, actually, you know, we, we one of the joys of doing Love Sport uh, for the last kind of couple of years before it all went the way of the mothball, 
you know, we got to talk to quite a lot of other supporters. I certainly did on some of the other shows that I did because I, I had to be kind of, you know, fairly neutral, as it were. And actually, every time I ever spoke to City fans, they were really... They, 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 I have to say that there was an element of us about them. You know, they they get the same kind of treatment that we do. Um, we've been through it longer, perhaps, but uh, I, I certainly sense We're that. very similar clubs yeah. in what's happened to us. Yeah, definitely. Very similar. Um, look, moving moving this on in a naturally progressive way, as it were, I think that that does lead in a little bit to, you know, how close are Chelsea... Uh, to being where where we all want them to be. I mean, I, I would go so far at the moment of saying that we're about seventy percent there, and I think I mean in terms of the fact that we know that they they are in a bit of a pre season type stage in terms of fitness. We haven't got all of our players back. I mean, you know, we'll have Pulisic is kind of back. Ziyech will be back soon. Uh, hopefully, it'll take them a bit of time to get fit, and then Werner and Havertz, I think, are settling in and will settle in more and more. But I think generally about a seventy percent, Dean. Uh, I think a bit less than that. Okay, well, put put a, put a figure on it. I would say fifty-five, sixty. Okay, fair enough. I'd, I'd accept that. I, I was fairly arbitrary with my seventy percent. Just just my general optimism, really. Yeah, I don't think in, something in else. The game, were you going to say something else? You had your hand up before. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say in the games we haven't um, played the sort of football I think that Frank wants to see, and that's due to not having the players available. So you know, getting their fitness and you know, having the full strength team to pick from. Hopefully, in a four-three-three, we might see more of the direction we want to go in. But in the in the four games we played in the league, I don't think we played particularly well at all. J.K. Um, I would. I think fifty percent. I think even less than um, than Dean's. I don't think it's. Um, uh, I don't think he's had the ability to to have them playing the way he wants yet because they've not been fit. He hasn't been able to pick the side he wants yet. Yeah, no, indeed. So mm-hmm. I, I I don't think... He, I, I think he's he's got this new fitness coach. I think they've been working very hard on um, the group of players that works together and perhaps he's settled on Zuma and, um, and Silva. Um, and uh, I, I've, I think it will be horses for courses, but I, I slightly fear for Mount, actually. Um, just because um, he, he he's he, in the if you look at the, the the kind of areas needed in particular, um, uh, if he's got two wingers, which is what Werner clearly wants, he's got Pulisic and he's then he's then got um, Zayic, and also I fear for Adoy, who I thought had a a much better second half, and uh, he's he's a conundrum for me because. Um, and I, th- I think Frank mentioned this, didn't he? That when he starts taking people on, which he is very capable of doing, he looks at di- a different player, and this is what you want. He clearly has that in his in his cupboard, in his uh, in his armory. He's got that. He's got the, and I think he does it in training. I think Frank said he was he wants to see him do what he does in training, which is which he's something happens to him. He gets slightly inhibited, so you get little bits and pieces of him doing it, which is. And what I think we'll find out tonight if he's going to buy, and won't we? But it's unlikely, isn't it? But he um, he he can cross the ball very when he's on song. You think, yeah, he's absolutely excellent. I don't think he's getting to and getting to the first team as the first choice, but he is similarly. If somebody who who will be a backup, come on as a sub. I don't think he's going to get in. Well, you know, if if he, if he plays if he plays well, J.K. and he's consistent, no, he will. Well, well, then he will. You've got, you've got Zayek and Pulisic. I think at the moment they're 
they're ahead in the pecking order just because of their abilities. Well, and I th- what I we think, saw last night with other clubs. I think Pulisic. You know I think Pulisic is by far and away our best winger, which is a bit of a bold claim considering I haven't actually seen Ziyech play for us yet. But I, I have seen him play for Ajax. I still think Pulisic is our best. But I think if 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 Hudson Odoi can start turning some of his potential into performances, I think he could challenge Ziyech. Well, no, no, but indeed, indeed, but that's what you want. Yeah, that's exactly what you want amidst this. You want his game to go up in the same way that it went up around Chilwell. You know, I honestly think they were elevated by his performance, and that's what you want. And you want that to happen in a sense. You want that to happen on the right hand side. And I'm not getting that from Reese James, and I won't get that from from Dave. So it, it it needs. They all need to come up. But it may they may all come up if around them everybody is playing out of their skins. If they've got class everywhere, so. I, I, that's why I say fifty percent because I don't think he's in a had the had the ability to pick the team that works the best yet. I, I'm I ha- I'm happy with fifty percent because it tells me there's so much more to go, and I think that's yeah. I think that's encouraging. Clayton, I'm going to leave the final word because you are perennially the voice of reason on this show uh, and sense and intelligence. Uh, me and J.K. try our hardest to dumb it down, as you know. Um, but in fact, JK's just disappeared. He's gone off for his halftime cup of tea quick, I think. But anyway, he's done a Mourinho, mate. He's gone down the tunnel already. Um, Clayton, I'll leave the last word on this to you. How close are we to being where we need to be and want to be? Nowhere near, I would say. Uh, I think 50%, maybe. Um, it's uh, it's the old Morecambe and Wise thing, isn't it? It's, it's sort of, I played all the right notes but not necessarily in the right order (laughs) i think we've got a fantastic squad now um i don't think frank i think frank might know what he wants to do but the one thing i find encouraging is the fact that he's trying to get the defense right which i think he has to do before anything else um and the rest will follow um i'll just sort of jk was talking about cullum hudson adoy I was going mad on Saturday because he just wasn't, it, it wasn't until the 80th minute or something, he took somebody on and he beat him. And that's what you want to see. Interestingly, on his Instagram, he's just posted a photo of him standing by a private jet. Uh, and there's no indication as to where that private jet is. So um, it's it's daylight. So whether he's done that as a tease or whether he's done that to just alert people that he might not be in the country i don't know Mm. well we shall see and that's a good segue actually clayton because of course in our next part in a minute or two uh we are going to be talking exactly about that we're going to be talking about the transfer deadline day uh where we think we are with all of that we'll also be looking at um (laughs) our dreadful (laughs) collectively dreadful performances in the uh, the Prem Predictions League by Scorgers. So there you go. So don't go away. Now, before we do all of that, of course, my uh, my usual time-honoured plug for the wonderful Chelsea specials. Uh, if you want to kind of go back into history a bit and uh, and listen to what some of our great players from the past said, then uh, we've done a load of interviews with them called the Chelsea Special. We interviewed Kerry Dixon, Bobby Tambling, Chopper Harris, Tommy Baldwin, Johnny Boyle, John Bumpser, Gary Chivers, Colin Pates and Paul Cannavale and even Danny... Eccles Harkins, but sadly not Mick Fillery, uh, Jonathan, which is a bit remiss of us. But anyway, all of those wonderful chaps. Uh, and as I said, if you go to chelseaspecial.podbean.com 
and then click on buy single episode now you can listen to or download any episode you want but preferably all of them they're really really great honestly i I had so much fun doing these with martin king and they were these guys are really really forthcoming and their love of the club shone through after all of these years so there you go Uh, we will be back very shortly Fans, real I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Footballfancast.com. Right, welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fancast with me, Stanford Chidge, Jonathan Kidd. Aloha. Uh, Clayton Beerman. Hello. And the lovely Dean Mears. Good evening. Hello, Dean. <laughs> oh, his bandwidth went Very a bit w- 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 wibbly wobbly there, but Dean is with us. I, 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 oh, oh, Dean, you are going a bit Norman Collier, mate. You might want to go out and come back in again, but uh, I'll leave that to you to decide. Yeah, I'm going to try and sort the connection out. Yeah. All right, mate. We'll see you in a sec. Now, um, I do hope he comes back because I really want to talk to Dean about this in a minute because uh, we, we're going to talk about the Scorgeous Prem Predictions League, which we, I have to say I absolutely love and also absolutely hate at the same time. Now, I can tell you that uh, the week four table is in. And I I mean, Joe Mingola, um, who has been absolutely tearing it up and, and winning the manager of the month. By the way, Joe, I need to email you. Because I know you won the Glen Fiddick, bottle of Glen Fiddick for being manager of the month. And because you're in the States, uh, Chiro couldn't send it to you. And you very kindly said, uh, I'm going to give it to Chidge because I wouldn't have been playing at it if I hadn't been for Chidge. Which is a wonderfully lovely gesture. And I will raise a toast to you when I have a dram of it when it arrives. But anyway, Joe's been absolutely tearing it up. He's not. He's still leading our our league by a healthy 50 points. Uh, he's also doing very, very well in the overall league. Uh, even though uh, Joe kind of went back to normality this week and only got 10 points. Uh, but anyway, Jarrett Koska's in second with 47. Uh, sorry, I'm talking rubbish. Uh, Joe's on top with 438. Jar- Jarek is second on 378. Uh, Joe Wadsworth is uh, third on 361. Now, a massive shout-out. and She's probably in here. I hope she is. Um, but the absolutely lovely Claire McConnell is fourth. But she absolutely hammered uh, this week. She is the standout winner of the week with 135 points, which is quite frankly remarkable in a week where absolutely nobody would have predicted that Liverpool would get humped 7-2 and United would get humped 6-1. But she managed to get uh, 135 points. She she, she did very well with Leicester West Ham. She she said 2-3, but she got bonuses because it was an underdog win. She got uh, Chef- Arsenal 2, Sheffield United spot on. She got Southampton 2, West Brom nil spot on. Claire, well done. And you're doing very, you've been doing very well every week, but you've gone straight up to fourth. And as I said, I think with those 135 points, you were the clear winner of the week. And then there's everybody else, of course. Now, amongst the everybody else from the fan cast are Mark- Martin Wick and Mark Meehan, Marco, me, Dane Whittle, Dean Mears, Jonathan Kidd and Tony Glover. Where do I start with this? Uh, well, Martin's doing the best of us. He's in ninth with 232 points. Uh, Mark Meehan's done well this week. He got 81 points this week, so he's now up to 10th in, with 225 points. Marco, 
uh, has done all right. He's back up to 15th with 161 points. Then there's a long way to go. And then we get to me, Chidge, 25th with 32 points. I got four points this week. Absolutely rubbish. Shocking. Dane Whittle, even worse. He's 26, minus seven points this week. And he's now in 26 with 31. Uh, I'm going to go straight to the bottom and I'm going to avoid Dean for a minute because Dean's is hilarious. But uh, at the bottom, I'm afraid, the Fulham and... uh, I don't even know who's second bottom at the moment, but uh, Jonathan is 32nd out of 33 with minus 67 points, although he got five points this week. And Tony Glover is bottom. He's propping us all up. With 30, he's in 33rd position with minus 68, having scored a whopping minus 14 this week. Now, the most hilarious thing about that is that Dean is equal 27th at the moment with zero points. And Dean hasn't actually done any predictions for the four, the four weeks. And yet, having done no predictions for four weeks, he is still ahead of Jonathan and Tony. This is That's nuts. Your, your fault, Chidge, because you asked me to go into it. If I was, uh, if I hadn't done it for four weeks, I'd be level, level with Dean. Yeah, but that just shows you. Dean is doing better by not playing because he's not getting minus points. That's perfect. I should have done that. I didn't know there was such a thing as minus points. I know. It's rubbish, isn't it? If I'd known that, I'm not sure I would have ever have done it. Well, I mean, mate, t- tell me about it. I mean, I predicted, uh, I thought that Liverpool would win 4-1. So thank- thanks to them, I got minus 24 points. I said it would be two all between United and Spurs. And that, that made me minus f- another minus 15 points. I did all right with Sheffield, uh, Arsenal, Sheffield, Wolves. Now, here's the thing. Now, Paul Burgess will know this. And by the way, Paul is in 19th. But Paul and I played, uh, who knows, wins last year. What we learnt last year was never, ever, 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 ever trust West Ham. They will always let you down. Sure as shit, West Ham let me down. I had Leicester beating them 4-2. They go and win 3-0. Every time. Every time. If we could take West Ham out of this league, I would probably do a lot better. But there you go. Bottom line is, it's great fun. Well done to everybody who plays it. Uh, And remember, like Chelsea, we're only a few games in. You know, the season's a long season. I'm sure I will come back and shock you all. Uh, And I do mean to get this Discord thing up as well. I've got everybody's email address, so hopefully, if I get a bit of time this week, I'll email you all, get you to sign up to uh, Discord. It's free. It's just an app. And then we can have a bit of kind of WhatsApp-like banter while the games are going on, which is great fun. So there you go. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, Transfer deadline day. Um, Does anybody have... Can I tell you the the latest gossip? Let's Tell me the latest gossip. I mean, I've got it all here in front of me, but this was written, obviously, earlier today. So uh... The latest gossip is Ruben Loftus-Cheek is going to Fulham. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, according to Dean Jones, uh, who knows about things like this, apparently Chelsea have not been answering their phone today uh, about any inquiries regarding Rudiger. So... uh, Sadly, it looks like um, Tamori might be going out on loan. I sincerely hope not, but um, possibly. Anyway, that's that's the latest, according to my sources, which is Twitter. <laughs> we don't we don't really have any any more, do we? I mean, I mean, I'm looking at Sky. I've got, I mean, you know, Sky's rolling uh, kind of newsline on here has got nothing about uh, about Chelsea at all, and hasn't had all the time I've been watching it tonight. Their last kind of report was filed at about 20 past six. And they're all saying that Rudiger, Hudson-Odoi and Palmieri, Emerson uh, are all being linked with a departure. Uh, and uh, Timio Bakayoko, Timmy, Timmy Bakayoko looks to be going to Napoli. All of these things we know. They haven't really come in 
uh, with anything else, apart from, as you said, actually, Clayton, that Loftus-Cheek uh, could well be going on loan to Fulham, who are one of the clubs interested. Now, well, that, that's that's come via Liam Toomey and Matt Law. Okay, well, that's got far more foundation to it than uh, Cave Solical, that's for sure. Uh, mind you, they were also saying at twenty past six that Rudiger, oh, Rudiger is going to stay at Chelsea despite the fact that PSG Tottenham and AC Milan are interested. So that there seems to be a bit of credence to that. Malang Sar uh, looks to be going on loan to Porto. Uh, Bakayoko to Napoli. Jorginho to Arsenal is very unlikely now because of the parts potential Partey move, and it looks like Emerson, Marcus, Alonso, and Kepa Arathabalaga will be staying. Oh. Yes. Now, um, I did a big. I did some homework for you boys. I hate. I don't know if you read this or not, but I had a bit of a bit of a go at this actually. And what I've done, I've split it into uh, the squad as it is at the moment, the first team squad, the rumours, the, poten- the the potential outs basically in terms of the rumours, the potential ins, and uh, loans still to do. Now, if I look at the squad, the interesting thing about the squad is that we have 26 players. Now, that's pretty much bang on. You know, that is pretty much... But none of this includes the youth, by the way. I've excluded them, all right? Uh, and I got all of this information from Transfer Mect, which is reliably good and informed. Okay, now, that would leave us at the moment... As it stands at the moment, we've got three keepers, Kepper, Mendy and Caballero. I'd be happy with that. Uh... We've got three left backs, Chilwell, Emerson and Alonso, two right backs in Aspie and James, five centre backs in Rudy Gazima, Christensen, Tamori and Silva. We've got, I think, four defensive midfielders, Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic and Gilmore, three attacking midfielders in Loftus-Cheek, Havertz and Mount, and three wingers in Pulisic, Hudson-Odoi and Zayec, and three strikers in Werner, Abraham and Giroud. Now, obviously, I also know that you know, there's a bit of fluidity with some of the attacking midfielders, wingers and strikers that they can play dual roles. And I think that needs to be taken into consideration. But that's a pretty healthy squad. Um, of course, the ones that are in play, as we know, were Emerson, Alonso, Rudiger, Tomori, Jorginho, Loftus-Cheek and Hudson-Odoi. All right. Now, Hudson-Odoi looks to be staying, we think. Good, because I think we need three wingers. Um I would be what I would be upset if Loftus Cheek goes out because I think with Barkley going out, he should stay. Um, I mean, it was interesting to see how Barkley did against Liverpool, although classically flattering to deceive, I think. But I think you know, three attacking midfielders, all right. Yes, I know we've got some fluidity there, but I would be happier if he stayed. Um, four defensive midfielders. Are we a bit overcapacitated in that department? Well, not at the moment because Billy Gilmore's still not fit and he's young and untried. We've got one too many centre-backs, absolutely. One of them's got to go, I agree with that. And I would say we've got one too many left-backs. So, you know, for me, Rudiger would have been nice to see him go because I think Tomori can do a job. And I think out of Emerson Alonso, I would probably rather see Alonso go. So that's where I stand on it, JK. Um, I've never been a fan of Emerson, as you know. No, Well, I'm not either, but, you know, the choice between him and Alonso... I don't know. Uh, Alonso scored such wonderful goals, but he can't defend in a no um, in a in a four, can he? He can um, in a five, I should say. He can defend in a uh, no. It, well, if he, he doesn't have to defend in a four, if he just because he's playing a wing back, isn't he? Essentially, he's playing up front. He's almost playing like a winger. But um, uh, considering Emerson a year ago asked to leave, I just find this hanging around bizarre that they haven't come up with a a suitor hasn't come up for him. 
Well, Juventus was supposed to be in for him. Yeah, I, and he, I you don't, never know. He may end up going there. Although he may end up going. I'm, I'm not convinced he he's played wonderfully well. He hasn't made a created a shot window for himself. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, what you know, what of Drinkwater? Is he still hanging around, getting? Well, I'm um, gonna I'm gonna get on to the loans to do in a minute because they I think they are a conundrum all on their own. But uh, it's. I would. I, I'm afraid I I would put. I think Loftus Cheek going is the right thing because Why? because you'll get I, game time. Yeah. Completely, which he won't get at all. He really won't get any game time at all if he plays as as um, ineptly is the wrong word as without any kind of vigor. You know, I think he's been really affected. He needs by to get his confidence injury. back. Yeah, completely. He needs to just play and uh, and and possibly put on a bit more muscle. I don't know because he, he's got that problem with not only with his hamstring but with his um, with his back as well, which he's had. And uh, now the, he, he's such a conundrum because he's played so well. Um, on occasions, and he particularly played well for Palace, of course, when he was on loan there, and, he, and some some great performances in the Europa League last year, and yet uh, has clearly been affected by the injury much more than um, uh, than I think the club expected. And uh, if, I mean, Frank's not going to be putting him out on loan if he thinks he's going to get into the first team. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I rescind my previous analysis on that because I think actually that's a good point. I mean, the reality is, is that we are, you know, even though I've split it up into three, three and three, there's enough flexibility amongst our wingers, attacking midfielders and strikers to accommodate that. And I think you're right. I think he needs to play and I think he needs to get his game, uh, his confidence back. And I think alone will do that. I mean, he was exceptional when he went to Palace. They loved him. So maybe that will I help. I think star at Fulham because Fulham are very poor at the moment. Poor, I think he, very he, poor. Yeah, poor. And I think if he uh, if he shows anything like his form, it, well, if he realizes that he's one of the big cheeses in the setup, I think he'll uh, it, it'll, it'll it'll his yeah. confidence will blossom. Um, Clayton, you you were worried about the the look. I mean, you know, it does in fact, doesn't it? It does seem that. Uh, uh, Rudiger's going to stay and Tamori's going to go. I mean, I think I, I'm with you on that. I would be upset to see that because I rate uh, Tamori very much. However, um, you know, for all of his faults last season, Rudiger is an experienced German international. Tamori is only 22 and his time will come. So I think if we were being dead-eyed clinical about it, we could probably say, well, you know, Tamori will get game time and his chance will come again, wouldn't we? I don't know, to be honest with you. I, I, I think as fans, we seem to be as one as far as Tamora is concerned. But if and I just throw this out there, if you were basically talking about Andreas Christensen, how many of us would say, yeah, let's keep Christensen and get rid of Tamori? Um I heard, I, I, I think it was uh, Matt Law basically said that the reason they don't want to sell Christensen is because they fear another De Bruyne situation. Um, I, personally, I've not seen it. He looks, he looks completely and utterly suited to playing in the Italian league or the Spanish league. Um, he looks classy at times and, and, it's, it's very difficult. I think the problem is that we have got, I'm uh, not including Silver in this because we haven't really seen very much of him. We've got four centre-halves who are all much of a muchness. I mean, I think Kurt Zuma's probably the best out of all of them. Um, 
but would would anybody say that Kurt Zuma's top draw? I don't, honestly don't know. Um, I think he's kind Ruben of Loft- Gary Cahill level at best. Uh, uh, yeah, at best. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Ruby, if he goes to Fulham, I, I, I would be tempted, and I don't know whether Fulham would actually do this, but I'd, I'd be tempted to actually send him there and have a, a basically a, a callback in December on him. Um, but that probably is only two months now, isn't it? <laughs> Horrendously. Um, so maybe I, I just, it, I, I think we were all surprised when he started the first game of the season. And I think we're all pretty horrified um, as to what we saw because it was it was really disappointing, um, and, and we know why. We know why he's, he's, he's sort of he's lost his confidence. He's just so if he can go somewhere and get some confidence, that'd be fantastic. I mean, I, I really think that. But I do, I agree with you. I, th- I think we are then having got rid of Ross, the boss, Barkley, as my son calls him. Um, I think that's a bit strange because we then haven't got a driving midfield player. Um, I actually thought when we played Tottenham last week that we we desperately missed Ross Barkley, that driving through midfield. What we don't miss is that horrendous inability to make the right decision uh, when he's (laughs) in a fantastic position, which he did at least three times last night. Um, But... You can't have 11 world, you know, superstars. Mm. Anyway, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's a tough one. And I, 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 you're going to come on to the loans situation because I'm, I'm, I'm completely and utterly bemused by Danny Drinkwater Bizarre. and the he's situation. Be- he's becoming Bogard-esque, isn't he? I don't, somebody has to explain to me. Somebody has to take me to one side and explain to me why we are looking to spend 50 80 million on a defensive midfield player or what have you and i'm not saying danny drink water is a defensive midfield player but two three years ago was it three when did leicester win the league was it three four years ago and uh, even the year yeah. after that yeah. he was a really decent player well, got into the england side although that's not saying an awful lot it is interesting, isn't it? I mean, Dean, you know, the, the people on the, the loans to-do list were Clark Salter, Baba Rahman, yes, he still exists, Victor Moses, Danny Drinkwater, Marco van Ginkel, Charlie Mazonda, Kepper and Tamore, apparently. That was the, the loans to-do list. Um, let's ignore Kepper and Tamore, obviously, because I don't think, we, we, you know, Tamore may be going, Kepper certainly yeah. isn't. Um Victor Mo, I mean, you know, you could bracket Victor Moses and Danny Drinkwater in, in, in the same breath in a way. They just can't, they're not going to make it at Chelsea, are they? But nobody wants to buy them. And this is a real problem that we've got, I think, with a lot of our players. Clark Salter, you know, rumoured to, to Inter are supposed to be um, interested in him. You know, that's that's okay, because hopefully he'll come back and have a chance to, to make it with us. But you know Moses and Drinkwater aren't going. Chelsea have a real problem trying to get players off their books. I mean, it's good to see that Bakayoko's off to Napoli, but I think that's another loan. You know, we cannot sell. What what Frank wanted and needed to do was to get rid of a lot of the dead weight that we've got, and he can't do it. Is that because their wages yeah, are too, I think, too big? Um, COVID. Sorry, Dean, go on, mate. So, yeah, I think COVID's affected Chelsea um, a lot harshly than some other teams in the, the way they do their transfer business. You know, these loan deals... Um, 
that what Matt Law was saying um, when I heard him speak about it was, you know, they like clubs to pay their full wage and then, you know, to get an obligation to buy at the end of that loan. So they release all the, that lo- the, um, the wage fee, sorry, plus a guaranteed transfer at the end of it. And right now, clubs aren't willing to, to one, pay their high wages and two, put an obligation to buy these players. So they're struggling to make deals, you know, and clubs know that Victor Moses don't think Walter have no future at Chelsea. So Chelsea's position of power is very, is very low and they can't Put put some money in the meter, Dean. Is famous for because clubs aren't willing to spend that money anymore. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, It's all rather bizarre. Yeah, well, that that yeah that that no, I I got what you said there, and it and it made sense to me. I mean, it is a bit of a conundrum for us. I mean, the bottom line is, I think we would all be agreed that we don't want to see Hudson Odoi go, do we, J.K.? I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind if he went on loan somewhere, but not to uh, Bayern, surely. No, I don't. Well, I, I wonder. I, um, if he goes, would he get a chance to play at Bayern? No, he wouldn't. Three other people were in front of I him. Know. So, what kind of carrot is that? I don't know. I, he, 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 he. As Frank said, he needs to, to, and as Clayton said, I agree. He took. He's very good at sort of going towards a player and then playing a pass or even playing it back, which is a bit Emerson country. And then when he takes somebody on and gets a cross in, you, you think, well, you do that more often. And that's what he was doing last year. And once again, you think, how, was he affected by his injury? Has he still not got over it? So therefore, would a loan period suit him where he rules the roost? I wonder. Uh, all the time, we have to appreciate Frank is evaluating whether he thinks these people have got uh, a future at the club. And if they're, if they're I, I think in training, he does it because Frank said, he needs to do in the first team what he does in training. But if they've got some kind of mental block, I don't know how you sustain that. You just keep them, you keep them ticking over and just give them a go well, and hope it, they then, they then you know, choose their moment and it works for them. Like Rupert Loftus-Cheek, I think, I think you're right. I think Hudson-Odoi needs games. I and mean, I was saying to Clayton in the, in the break that the problem that we have, I think with, with Hudson-Odoi is twofold. One is, the psychological impact of an injury where he got a very serious injury with no contact with another player, which messes with your head. So he needs to have confidence in his body. And secondly, I think he's realised that when you play for an elite Premier League team as a winger, you're also expected to put in a shift and track back. But also, more importantly, you 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 dare not give the ball away. If you give the ball away when you play in this league, the team gets punished and you look like a twat. So, yeah, oh, let's just let me finish the point. Okay. So I, I think, you know, he's more worried about giving the ball away, which is why he doesn't take players on. I mean, that's a, that's a confidence thing. And again, uh, I, I'm not surprised to see that with a 19-year-old. But if I'm his manager, I'm saying, look, I want to see you taking players on. We've got players behind you who can get you out of the shit if you lose the ball. Don't do it. Don't be stupid. Don't like pass. Don't do like what Alonso did at that header the other week. But, you know, I'd rather see you lose the ball by attacking somebody down that right or left flank than, than being too scared to do it and passing it sideways. 
you don't want him to lose the ball as well f- further back up the pitch. No, definitely not. Absolutely. Is, you need to, if he's attacking going down the side, you can forgive him if he gets yeah, tackled. Because, absolutely right. Because it's not putting pressure on the team. The other thing he does is he takes too many touches. The number of times so far this season I've seen him, I've gone, have a dip now, pull the trigger now. I think Take a one, lot of them I, do that. Yeah, but that, that, that's a worrying thing because the, the class players, the, the, the top three and the, the top Liverpool three, it's all hugely first-time shots which, of course, the goalkeeper's never ready for. Yeah. And the number of times, as a, even as a television fan, but particularly when you're there, when you go... We're all television fans at the moment. There's the moment. There's the moment. Have the dip yeah. now. Come on. No, don't take the extra touch. Too late. The goalkeeper's come across. The, the player has come across to make the block. Well, there we go. There's roughly two hour, two and a quarter hours to go. Uh, before. Although, of course, it often rumbles on past that. But we'll, all of this will be revealed. Personally, I hope, I hope Hudson Odoi stays... Um, Tamori apparently is uh, is West Ham. Yeah, that's being negotiated. Okay, well there we go. Uh, and uh, Loftus Cheek to Fulham is that a done deal? Not yet. Not yet. Well, we'll watch this space. If, if by the way, we've got about another half an hour to go, so blur out if you get any news. Well, you know, I will award you the honorary Chelsea fan cast yellow tie if you get it right. Uh, I say that I'm utterly confused by the Tomori situation. I don't get it. I really don't get it. Yeah, we're not happy about that. But, you know, um, somebody's, you know, five central defenders is too many. That's the reality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, before we go to the break and before we get into the next part, which we've got, which is our version of In Off the Post, which is uh, uh, wonderfully named by Rootless Cosmo or Aussie broke my, uh, Signed My Broken Leg. And I, uh, brilliant uh, name for our email section. I just want to, kind of give you a bit of an, an announcement here because our good friend Walter Otten has another book coming out and it's called Let the Celery Decide and Waltz recounts his experiences of the Champions League semi-final second leg against Barcelona and the final in Munich and uh, as the back page of the book says brace yourself for an invigorating journey with a quite miraculous ending and we're not just talking about what happens on the pitch treasuring a 1-0 lead 5,000 Chelsea supporters travelled to Barcelona for the second leg of the semi-final of the European Cup. After the most extraordinary 90 minutes ever witnessed, the Blues know they will face Bayern Munich in the final. Desperately pining for some consistent peace of mind after the doctor had signed him off indefinitely, Walt's excursions to both games are peppered with powerful honesty, stirring dreams and spontaneous connections. Join him as he blindly navigates through the brutal storm of life-changing health issues in what would end up being a glorious season. He's lost his job, he might be losing his marbles, he's a husband and a father clinging on to his kids, his faith and his marriage. Drinking with his friends George and Tall Paul, the three of them are tucked up for the day in a sun-drenched Munich beer garden. Fate puts in an appearance and suddenly there's a spare ticket in the Chelsea end for the final sitting right in Walter's palm. Who goes to the match? Let the celery decide. Now, um, number one, as a Gate 17 book, um, we it'll be available in paperback, of course, from Gate 17 and Amazon as well as Kindle. And uh, more to the point, I interviewed Walter last week about the book and uh, I'm going to publish that as a podcast later this week. It is well worth a listen. Walter is one of the nicest people you will find in the Chelsea community, and without doubt, the mo- he is the most talented writer we've got. He is quite something else. 
And if you if you enjoyed the chat that I had with Marco the other week about his book, uh, this is very much the same vein. Very honest chat with two mates who are missing going to the football and enjoying each other's company. It's a lovely interview with Walter, so do look out for that. And by the way, as you know, Mark Worrell is the publisher for Gate 17, and Mark's, uh, you know, he's he's, he's uh, a little bit unwell at the moment. Uh, and we're all sending huge love and best wishes to him and hope that he's back on his feet and soon. And kisses. And kisses. Love and kisses and hugs too. But I think we'd all, yeah. yeah, we all wish Marco the best, don't we, boys? Absolutely. Please, Marco, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Now, we'll be back after the break, and we'll be... Full of emails in In Off The Post. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com Welcome back. This is the Chelsea Fan Cars with me, Stanford Chidge, Clayton Beerman. Hello. Jonathan Kidd. Hello. Dean Mears. Evening. Yeah, not buffering. That's what we love. Uh, now, uh, as I said, we've got a new... We, we, we've we been doing emails forever, as you all know, and we all know you love it. Um, but we've given it a name because sometimes if we're waffling on for too long, I might take them out and use it as a special <coughs> podcast. We, we've only got five. We should be all right tonight. So in off the post. And the first email is from Nick Bar JK. Hi, Chidge and the team. Um, I love you guys. Oh, thank you. You've actually got me through some hard times. I spent a lot of being furloughed thinking I will be made redundant. I'm a one trick pony. I've been scared. I've been listening to you, remembering all the times I've been at the bridge, working my way towards a season ticket in equal amounts, comforting and exciting. Unfortunately, reveling in another player being boss eyed may be uncomfortable. I'm going to be honest. I hated it. Nearly turned off. I know I'm in danger of being accused of political correctness gone mad, but if we can't all look out for each other, how the hell are we supposed to support the team as one? Imagine being a fan with that particular disability, listening to your podcast and hearing that. You're better than that. Despite the Twitter nonsense, we as a fan group are better than that. I just hope going forward you'll be sensitive to anyone and everyone who's less fortunate than to have perfectly straight eyes. I know that sounds flippant, but it is to make a point. We all come from all walks of life and in all shapes and sizes, but that doesn't stop us from being proper Chelsea. Keep the blue flag flying high, Nick. Nick, I'm, so- I'm sorry. I clearly offended you. I didn't mean to offend you. Um, and you're right, of course. Um, I, I mean, all I'll say in mitigation, this is not BBC Radio 5 Live. It's not even talk sport. It's, it's four mates talking bollocks about the football. And it's a bit like the whole point of the show is always that it's like being in the pub. So, you know, sometimes I get carried away and say stupid things. And, you know, it's, it's, it's sometimes I do. And I'm sorry. I'm, I'm you know, the thing is, uh, I'm generally sorry if I offended you. Uh, I, I really didn't mean to. And I, I will try and be more thoughtful going forward. Email two is from Philip Kenley. He says, hi, guys. Just a short one. Uh, But this is the email that I've wanted to send for nearly 30 years. I'm so damn excited uh, that you're doing the 50 Years series, as despite being about the same age as Chidge, my memory is far worse. That is not possible, Phil, trust me. So it's really great uh, to listen back and be reminded of players that have long since dropped from the memory. And well, of course, uh, as as those few things that I do have a sketchy recall of. Um, Please take your time, boys. You only get to do this once, and there is so much football going on now. 
anyway to keep us entertained. Anyway, I wanted to send this while it's on my while it's on my mind. I got one shot at asking this question, and I've had no one to talk about this with before. And if I miss the opportunity, I would never forgive myself. So I want to talk about the Besant game. Of course, it would have come up anyway, but I want to make this statement, and I would love it if you would discuss it. Uh, he's talking about season nineteen ninety two ninety three. Uh, I do not know if I have ever watched a game where a player has taken a bung. If I had, though, this game was it. And this is what a player taking a bung would look like. The three second half goals we conceded were more than just blunders. Even the second goal, the one where Besson did not throw the ball in the net, was such calamitous goalkeeping that it is hard to imagine that Besson did not do it on purpose. There was no reason in the world for him to have gone AWOL. As for the other two, well... The term throwing the ball into your own net is usually a little tongue-in-cheek. But on these two occasions, Besant kind of did. They were both barely even once-in-a-career errors, and he made two of them in one game. Funny thing is that having just watched the YouTube clip, it was incredible to see some brilliant goalkeeping that set up our opener. I'm more convinced than ever that someone in China had the Chelsea winning half-time Norwich full-time double. What do you say, fellas? Regards, Phil. Uh, obviously, the most qualified person to talk to about this is one goalie 59. What? Because I took a bung? <laughs> no, because you know about... Go- because we're just lucky enough to have you on when we've got a goalkeeper question. Obviously. I I think that he just he just lost it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I can't... I, I don't think there was a lot of... Uh, Chinese betting syndicates at that stage, Philip. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was just horrendous, and he just lost it. And I, I'll never, I, I'll never forget the uh, Porterfield interview afterwards, where he just laid into him. It was awful, and it did look like um, that was the case. Who knows? Who knows? But obviously, all allegedly, it's um, as you say. To to make one mistake is careless. To make two is. Uh, Shocking to make three is a bit of a coincidence. That's a, that's a very interesting. I think after what is it, thirty odd years, you're the first person that's probably thought that. Yeah, Apart from obviously the book is in China. In my na- naive position, watching it, we just all said, "Well, that's the end of that. He won't be keeping goal for us anymore." Which is what Porterfield said after yeah. the game, more or less, game, wasn't it? Will be he said he's we'll played his last game. For us. Yeah, <laughs> but we—it was so obvious and we're so dreadful. Just dreadful mistake. We were just all absolutely up in arms. I remember there was a bloke next to me. There was a bloke who always stood up, always stood up, anything went wrong, just stood up and just, just stood looking at everybody, and slumped into his chair with his head in his hands. I remember that. That was Porterfield, wasn't it? That was Porterfield below me, yeah, yeah. But this this was another bloke who was a, was he was the angry boy, we called him. He was always, in fact, I had a, I had a go at him uh, about a year ago when we were actually, you know, in the stands. And, uh, and he said, I'm not a boy anymore. I'm not a boy. I'm allowed to say things. I said, yeah, but could you stop being so negative? I said, you haven't changed in 20 years, 30 years. I've been coming to the ground with you, with you for 30 years. He said, I'm not a boy. I said, I didn't say you were a boy. I didn't say it. I just <laughs> stop. Stop. Brilliant. Oh, dear. Your oh. life is one long Monty Python sketch. <laughs> it is, it is, isn't it? I expect Jonathan next week to come. I'm not a, I'm not a boy. Oh boy! I expect Jonathan to come in next week with a knotted handkerchief on his head yeah. and Wellington yeah. boots. I'm not Mr. Gambay. I'm not. 
Oh, oh lovely. Nor is Alex Davison, JK, from whom we have another email. Good old Alex. Very fond of Alex. Yeah, Very me too. Bright man. Lovely man. Uh, Sir Chidgeworth and Lord Kinstein <laughs> and assembled honoured guests. It's Dean and Cleeton. Thank you so much for providing such a wonderful distraction. As you're aware, these are dark times in the US. Yeah, last last night's going coming out and waving at people from his limousine was one of the great weird mad moments i'm not going to dwell on all the tensions over here suffice to say it's a welcome tonic to listen to familiar friendly voices discussing the most important of unimportant things with such insight and great humor welcome to eddie mendy he has the right name for a chelsea keeper doesn't he he should be called Bendy Eddie Mendy, though, shouldn't he, actually, Alex? Bendy Mendy. Bendy Mendy. From what I've seen, he has the physical presence to impose himself in a BPL penalty area. On the human level, I feel for Kepper, but he's so completely out of his depth that for his own good, he needs to go elsewhere and regroup. Barclay's move to Villa on loan is a good bit of business, too. Absolutely agree. Perhaps a change of scenery and regular games will allow him to reboot his career. I was rooting for him to succeed at Chelsea, but he never really looked right in the side. And now to Ruben Loftus-Cheek. He must get regular games and soon. Alone is a must for him. Well, that's exactly what's happened. A chance to show what he can do once he regains his confidence. And maybe his future doesn't lie at Chelsea. Perhaps, but a club like Southampton or Brighton could definitely use him. Well, Fulham. Hudson-Odoi started to stretch his legs. Great to see. Chilwell impressed against Palace. Also great to see. And all the new signings are beginning to show what they can do. Another welcome sight was the clean sheet versus Palace. Sure, the Eagles had little ambition, but the back four looked like they were determined to defend first and foremost. Last, I remain a Lampard disciple. I think the whining will stop in about 10 games when the blend of homegrown lads and exotic imports have figured how to sink up. Frank is developing a balance between adventurous and pragmatic, and he seems to have matured before our eyes and is wearing the Chelsea manager's job more comfortably. He seems to have a real authority about him. He's no longer hampered by having to be good guy, Frank. He's been tough when he has to be. Yours with gratitude. <laughs> Squadron leader A.J. Davidson III, retired, Easty, Boston, USA. Well done, squadron leader. Carry on. I will. Uh, but you were talking to Alex then, I think. I was. You? So you would have to be Sir Chidgeworth. You're Sir Chidgeworth. Wing Commander. Wing Commander Sir Chidgeworth, yes. And Bar. And Bar. And East Bar. Uh, there you go. Uh, brilliant, Alex. Always lovely to hear from you. Keep them coming, my friend. Uh, right, we've got another from, from uh, James Giffin, who's from Australia. Uh, he says, Good day, Chidge, Jonathan, and the rest of the fancast team. I'm writing this email from a blustery, wet, miserable West Australian evening, having just watched our beloved Blues cruise past Palace. Um, sorry, the weather's crap over there. Um, it's supposed to be coming towards your summer, I would have thought. Anyway, now this won't be a shock to any listener or indeed you, the host, when I say that was the best performance of the season so far. What an absolutely perfect show from all the boys and Frank and his coaching team. After Alonso and his fine head of hair met a more brutal hairdryer from Lampard last week, we finally got to see Ben Chilwell in all his glory doing what a proper left-back can do. I can now see why Ashley Cole convinced Lampard that he was the one to go for in the summer. After all, if you're going to trust anybody's judgment, it would be his. The whole defence looks sharper, smarter, fitter and much more confident. Could that be due to the fact that Kepper is no longer behind them? I think yes. 
Recalling Aspilicueta was a smart choice by Lamps, I thought Reese James from re- uh, form recently has been poor and we ached for a clean sheet so the decision was vindicated. I won't list out all the boys' performances, else the show will be six hours long. I mean, you mean it isn't already? Uh, one more mention to Havertz, and I have to say it was hard not to agree with Jonathan's analysis on his first couple of games. But after this game, we're now starting to see just how smooth and classy this boy really is. I don't think we've ever had a player like him, have we? Mickey Fillery. Uh, After all the Lampard out, Mount out tweets recently, I really was infuriated by these clowns that after just half a dozen games with injuries to key players and not much prep time for the season ahead, they've decided a sacking is what we need to kickstart the season. Uh, with the amount of dosh that's been spent recently, pundits, ex-players, fans, etc. have just assumed that we should be title contenders, if not favourites. I'm not convinced that we can bridge a 30-point gap this season. Half a new first team, no pre-season and no fans to G them on when things aren't going great are just a few reasons why top four and a trophy will be the realistic expectations for the second season in a row. The final part of the email is difficult to write and you may find it hard to read also. If someone told you in 1996 that the FA Cup is on its way, followed by five league titles, one Champions League, six more FA Cups, four League Cups, three UEFA Cups, Europa Leagues, huge matches all over Europe, playing Barcelona about 100 times and giving them a game every time, and being regarded as one of the biggest clubs on earth, you would have called an ambulance to take this lunatic away from you, while rolling on the floor crying with laughter. In a few years, we won't look at these two seasons as a bad spell where we didn't win enough. We will hopefully look back and remember that our greatest ever midfielder is at the helm, with Academy products finally getting into the first team regularly. I feel as if I've had my Chelsea checklist completed for now. We've won the lot. Not many teams can say that. So what I suppose I'm saying is, I'm enjoying Chelsea as a sport, not a trophy-collecting machine, and I feel better for it. With no fans, VAR and the ridiculous handballs, football isn't real right now, and I'm sure I'm not alone in that train of thought. Football will be back for real soon enough. But until then, I'll just be enjoying watching a young squad with a young manager try to play fast-attacking football and try to win football matches. Awards aren't everything, and sometimes football isn't quantifiable and trophies aren't the be-all and end-all. I'll put it another way. Coldplay have won more awards by far than Oasis, but the connection and emotions that I have to Oasis far outweigh any Brit Award or Enemy Award that Coldplay may have won. We, I like Coldplay. We may well, uh, we may. I'm just ignoring that. We may well be in transition right now, and major honours may seem <laughs> in the far distance, but it won't last for long. So for now, just relax, enjoy, and be patient. We will be back. Keep up the excellent work and stay safe, James. What a well, what a well put together email, actually, and I love the Brilliant. sentiment in that. Really honest, straightforward, but actually fantastic as it should be, Clayton. Yeah, yeah, absolutely great email. Loved it. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad you like that one so much because guess what? We got another cool. one. We got another one that came in under Jonathan's looking at me like what, 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 what? There's another email. It's not on my notes. It's not. How did? How can he do me. this? How can I he do, it's my it. turn. Where well, is it? Where go on then. It? Read it. Where is it? Read I haven't it. got it. Where is it? It only exists here on my copy because it. Ca- oh no! It came in. It came in under the wire, and it was so good. I tell it- you what. You read it, and I'll mime. Okay, you can do that. You can mime, <laughs> mime it in the style of Chidge. Um, yeah. To, to, yeah. Sing a Coldplay song, but mime it. Uh. Yeah. Definitely mime it. <laughs> 
Now, there's a reason why I wanted to read this. It was a really good email. And it's also, it's also, it's also from Brazil. And I mean, how can we not have read an email from Brazil? And it's from Alex Rodriguez. And he says, Chidge, JK and distinguished guests. I hope you're all doing well and enjoying the long break after our best display of the season so far. And also the Liverpool humiliation to Villa. Ha! This email might get to you late for this review episode. It did, but I've included it anyway, Alex. Uh, Being Brazilian, I didn't know much about the Blues until 2000. I've been a Blues supporter since 2001 when I met my now wife, who lived in London. She asked me if I wanted a football top and if I wanted Arsenal, United or Liverpool. Straight away, I said, no, I want a Chelsea top. For three reasons, really. One, it's a London club. Two, blue is the colour. The club I played in Brazil was also, uh, they also played in blue. And three, Gianfranco Zola. Good good reasons, uh, Alex, I have to say. I then moved to London in 2002, making my passion for the blues, uh, you know, even better. In 2004, I got a membership and uh, I became a regular at the bridge until I left London in 2012. Now in Dubai, I've been a listener of the show for at least five seasons, maybe more, and have not missed a show. Thank you, Alex. Uh, and he says, thank you all for putting it together and sharing your opinion with us and getting us close to the club. Anyway, the reason for the email is Abraham trying to take the second penalty against Palace. I'm not sure if anyone noticed Werner got the ball for the first penalty as he wanted to take it. Jorginho said no, and Werner easily gave the ball for Jorginho to take. So when we had the second penalty, I think that even if they wanted to give the ball to Abraham... It would not be the correct thing to do, as this could break the togetherness and Werner would feel hard done by. I know it's silly, but little things like that can break the mood in in the squad. Also, I'm of the thought that the penalty taker should be the one taking it, unless there is another player going for a hat-trick and we have a two-plus goal lead. I applaud Aspie for taking control of the situation, but it's also good to see both strikers hungry for goal. Maybe Abraham should have been a little more mature about it all and not made such a fuss. What are your thoughts about the situation? Lastly, as a Brazilian, it's great to see Silva doing well in this game and hopefully he will do as well as Alex did for us over the years. Also, Jorginho. He's Brazilian, no matter what you lot say. Uh, But not so much with Emerson. He is Italian. Joking aside, my favourite Brazilian player at the Blues was Alex. That free kick against Liverpool in the Champions League quarters was the best moment and game at the bridge for me. But then Ramirez and the chip against Barca. Wow. Once again, thank you very much for doing such a good show and keep this up. Hopefully you can get back to the bridge soon and next time I'm back in town, we'll definitely buy you all a couple of drinks. Keep the blue flag flying high. All the best. Alex. What Super, super email. Um, we, we kind of talked about it a little bit, just to recap, Dean. Um, you know, I, I, you know, no problem with Abraham having a go. Well done, Aspie, for restoring some order. Yeah, no, as, as Alex said, it's good that the strikers, you know, want to score goals and get the opportunities to do so. And I think, you know, we as we handled the situation very well. And, you know, Jorginho scored, so you didn't kind of have any complaints um, on that point of view. JK? Uh, I didn't enjoy it. I didn't enjoy Abraham uh, trying to get the ball. And I... I... Why? As Frank said afterwards, he told him off. He put him in his place. Mm. Well, because he was petulant and it was youth, you know, and, and Jorginho's the penalty taker. That's the status. That's it. You don't scrabble to take the penalty. It's, it's unseemly. It's unseemly. Yes. That's what I just said. Exactly. Unseemly. It is. I've said it again. Should I say it a third time? It again. Yeah. Third, unseemly. Third again. It's unseemly. Unseemly. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Clayton, a man who's never, ever been unseemly in his life ever. <laughs> 
I wish. Um, I, it, it wasn't brilliant. And I think more than anything else, it actually dis, it disrespected his teammate and it disrespected the opposition because he was doing it like it was a nothing game and um, I'm going to sort of, I'm going to score now because they're rubbish and whatever. No, it was Jorginho's job and that, that that's the end of it. Um, admiring because he wants to score a goal, but, you know, he had two open goals that he missed. So uh, do that rather than fight for penalties. Yeah. Um, I would say the best goal I've ever seen by a Brazilian for Chelsea was David Luiz's penalty in the Champions League final. Mm. I don't know. There's been a few actually. This we could do a whole show about this, couldn't we? Well, really, Oscar's goal against um, Juventus. Oh Juventus God, yeah. Uh, Giuliano Belletti shoot against Spurs. Yeah, and he scored a few more as well. Uh, you, if we included Costa as a Brazilian, Ramirez's chip in the new camp. I don't think it gets better than that myself. But there you go. Maybe we should have our top ten Chelsea Brazilians. Or something like that. Yeah, there we go. Um, brilliant stuff, people. Love the emails. Keep them coming in. If you send so many in, we have to make it into a separate show called In Off The Post. I won't have a problem with that. But uh, if you want your email, Patreon message, Instagram post, tweet, or whatever read out on the show, then let me have them by the end of the day on Sunday or at the absolute latest Monday morning. Uh, and the email address, of course, is, as you know, chelseafancast at gmail.com. Uh, just one other thing I should have mentioned earlier but forgot to. Of course, I mean, I know we, we said on Friday how sad we were to learn that Andrew uh, Woody Wood passed away last week. Um, somebody that I knew from going to the games and an absolutely all-round quality, lovely bloke. The outpouring on social media as a consequence has been wonderful to see actually and it tells you that actually we're not really a bad bunch after all Chelsea fans we do get behind each other in times of need uh, and also actually and I know we we tweeted out the link to the the, the the just giving fund for Andrew's family Haley, and I think it's Joe and Nicholas's kids um, which is I think I don't know if it's reached the target but it was damn close the last time I looked which is fantastic well done everybody but the other thing I wanted to say, because it kind of pertains to the games, really, it was really nice to see both Ben Chilwell, Ross Barkley, and even Jack Grealish uh, in the in the Villa Liverpool game doing the little kind of a sign, which apparently they were doing in tribute to Woody, which I thought was an amazingly lovely touch. And Aspie, of course, also tweeted, didn't he? Uh, how sorry he was. There's been some classy things going on by the players in relation to this, which was lovely to see, J.K. Yeah, I thought it was brilliant. I didn't realise that they were all doing that. I, I, I thought that the, the Chilwell one was, but I, I got the impression that it was something else because the Villa players were doing it. Well, we, you know, are we, are Ross, we sure that it's an A to do with. Uh, that's do my with presumption. Things? It's what I've read in the press. So oh, okay. there's no, there's no reason to, to. Forgive me for undermining it. I didn't mean to. Yeah. I just was. I was a bit intrigued that Villa had got to Villa, perhaps via Ross Barkley, perhaps. Well, perhaps. remember, yeah, but there's a massive Chelsea connection there. Both Frank Lampard and JT, you know, commented on Instagram course, how sad they were. Of course. Uh, sending yes. their, you know, their condolences. JT, of course, is on the coaching staff at Villa. Ross Barkley's a Chelsea player. They're all mates, you know. They all play on the same England team, remember? So I can... I, I'm prepared to believe that that's what it was. And if it was, fair play to them. It's a really lovely touch and it was appreciated well, by indeed. us all. Indeed. Uh, and as I said, uh, rest in peace, Woody. You lovely, lovely bloke. Very sad to see you go. Uh, 
and we've got we've come to the end of the show. Good, good. How did that happen? It's just whiz by tonight. Good grief. Um, yeah, I mean, it is seriously. That's what we've got time for this week. And of course, there is no football next weekend, thanks to the infernal international break. Uh, now, that will mean that having started our first preview show on a Friday this season, we're not going <laughs> to do one this week. But never mind. Uh, we are going to do a show next Monday, though, um, because I have decreed, because I do that occasionally, I've decreed that we're going to do another Q&A show. Uh, so there'll be me, JK, Dan Silver and Dame Whittle in the hot seat to answer your questions. Um, so... Our Chelsea fan cars, Patreons, will get the front row gold circle seats. Basically, they can join in the fun on Zoom and ask us questions. And, of course, I will post the link on Patreon nearer the time. But I'm going to broadcast it live this time on Mixler. So, obviously, do listen, Mixler peeps. I'm I'm sure you'll want to come and join in. And, of course, um, for a change, I'll be able to assiduously be reading the messages that you write on the chat room. And you can ask us questions too. So it's kind of for uh, our Patreons and our Mixler audience. A live Q&A. Me, Jonathan, Dan Silver and Dame will ask us anything you want. Uh, now, in the mean, that's next Monday's show, 7 o'clock, of course. Now, in the meantime, we'll have uh, the next two instalments of our 50 Years of Chelsea series with the 1991 and 1991-92, sorry, 1990-91, to 1991-92 seasons being published during the international break. So uh, look out for that. Now, as you all know, uh, apart from if you've been undiscovered in the Amazon rainforest, the Chelsea Fancast is available as a podcast on ChelseaFancast.com, Acast, Apple, SoundCloud, uh, and Amazon on Alexa, uh, and Spotify, as well as all the other podcast distributors. Uh, and uh, they're very kindly all hosted by the lovely CFC Blues app, as they say here. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. For match highlights, interviews and the best Chelsea videos and podcasts. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Uh, now, I just mentioned Patreon a minute ago. Don't forget, if you like what we do, you can become a Chelsea Fancast patron and help us cover the cost of running two shows a week and continue to produce what we believe is a unique podcast on all things Chelsea. Please feel free to donate whatever you want per show uh, or per month at patreon.com forward slash Chelsea fancast uh and as i said if you are a patreon i love you obviously uh but you can send me a message uh on there anytime you like let me know what you want one in the show just have a chat contribute to the show whatever and i usually respond fairly quickly uh and finally our social media chelsea fancast me at stanford cheers jonathan at jonathan kid clayton at uh, goalie 59 and the wonderful dean mears is at dean mears and don't forget to check out our Instagram and Facebook accounts, which are also at Chelsea Fancast. Well, there we go. We have come to the end of the show. Uh, Dean, as always, lovely to see you uh, and hear, hear your thoughts on everything. Always so erudite. Yeah, a pleasure to be back. Always a joy to be on the show. Um, great to talk to everyone. Good stuff. We'll see you again soon, my friend. Clayton, your old trooper you. Always lovely to see you, mate. Always. Yeah. Ditto. Uh, been fabulous to talk to, uh, to Dino and to JK and your good self. Yeah, it's been fun tonight. Been fun. And uh, JK, uh, as ever, you've been unbelievable. Oh, yeah, unbelievable in the sense of, oh my God, he's. Oh, <laughs> I didn't say that. You have definitely, you have definitely not been unseemly. You've not unseemly. been unseemly. No, unseemly. Well, I'm, I'm worried about my inability to speak English, Dino. Venus flagged up, so perhaps I should I find different words to say next week. I'll okay. Become a bit 
I look forward to that. You look you looking forward to my own vocabulary, I'll create a vocabulary where I strike words out. You looking forward to the Q and A next week? Oh, very much so. Very we enjoyed so. the last one, didn't we? We had great fun doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. There's a, there'll be another one because there's another international break in November, so I think we'll we'll have a third one around. We're there. doing another uh, 50 years, aren't we? You haven't got the two out. When are, when are we doing that? Well, I, I've just needed to take a break. You know, Tony and Marco not being around, I'm trying Good. to read it. I'm gonna I'm gonna record them on Thursdays going forward, but I'm I'm gonna do a new schedule for you lot this week. Um, look, you three have been absolutely superb. I love you to bits. It's been great fun tonight. Really enjoyed it. That, my friends, is it. Thank you for listening, you lovely people. Uh, see you next week. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills! Chills!